What do you get when your society's been told that it's the greatest in the world and that the others just aren't important? Do you get political, social, or economic apathy? What do you get when everyone is entitled to their own opinions as well as their own facts? What do you get when that society is unhappy with the status quo but is seemingly only willing to fight until that fight becomes uncomfortable? What do you get when a society fails to take ownership of its failures and places blame on other people, politicians, and external figures? I believe that you get exactly what you deserve. See, I'm of the mindset that the American society is broken and is failing. I believe that the only people we should be blaming is ourselves. I also realize, though, that there exist other factors such as mental illness, substance abuse, and other things like that. But for many of us, we can absolutely control our circumstances, and it isn't up to a politician or any kind of leader to fix that for us. I pose this thought to Mark and Chris to process in this episode, and we're joined by our good friend and day one listener, Bryce, who is in the midst of a complete career change to better his circumstances. The cool thing is that he can still bring thoughts, sharpness, and a sense of humor that our episodes certainly need. We then wrap this episode up with a $500 million solution that we feel could at least light the spark to create change for our society as a whole. All of this in today's episode of the Salinas Podcast, number 917, Getting What We Deserve. Doing that, I can also tell you that I'm doing that in such a way that you're like, ah, exactly. Right. <laughs> yeah. There was this yeah. girl. Exactly. There was this, there was this kind of wealthy uppity white girl that fucking uh uh that Bryce was kind of arch nemesis with. Like they just did not get along, and they was in the same grade. And this bitch started this phenomena in his class because it wasn't in my class. Where all these white people were saying, shit, nickel. Remember that? Yeah. They were saying, yeah, all these like uppity white people are like, well, shit, nickel. And Bryce is like, <gasps> extra enunciation <gasps> on nickel. They're, wow. They look at you and be like, shit, nickel. And, and, and Bryce <laughs> just, took the they, they, they drag it out, nickel. <laughs> Bryce what what, what were they doing shit. playing with the phrase shit nigga? Yeah. 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 And why? Why did it come I, about? I don't know. High school white white girls like <laughs> up in like country club ass white girls think they clever and they oh, found a okay. way around it. Oh, so that's they, funny. Shit nickel. Well Bryce yeah. was president of the Spanish club. And oh, Spanish club went to El, or went to Los Mariachis for a lunch. <laughs> and you know they bring out that white cheese sauce that you dip it in? Well, this girl was like she got a cheese sauce and she was like, oh my God, this shit is so good. I could drink it by the gallon. And Bryce heard that and he clicked on it and he just started going, oh my God, this cheese sauce is so good. I could drink it by the gallon. And he did it forever. And she went to the counselor over it. <laughs> oh was this high school or something? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. She totally owned him to the counselor. Bryce is really making my life hard. All right, I want to I want to go into our topic before this <laughs> right. shit gets any further off right. the rails. Um, I'm wanting to call this episode uh, "The America We Deserve," and uh, I'm calling it that because I think that right now America is getting exactly what the fuck it deserves. 
we, I believe that we live in a nation where people aren't ready for the changes that they actually talk about. I think that we push for push just as far about things until it makes us uncomfortable. And I think that that makes up a vast majority of the citizens here. Um, We want all these kind of changes. We want universal healthcare. We want, you know, immigrants to be back to their own country. We want all this other shit until it makes us uncomfortable. I think we also live in an age where we're blaming immigrants or any other type of person for our own shortcomings. Um, I noticed this especially in, in technology where people or companies who are just inefficient by nature, and this, this could be any other place, it's, it's easy for them to blame immigrants taking their jobs when it's like your business just sucks. Like the way that you're handling thing is not efficient. It doesn't make any sense. And so yeah. we scapegoat everyone for everything. I was talking to some people about uh, the the fairness ordinance that they want to do. You know, there's growing popularity over a fairness ordinance. And I'm like, okay, but I've talked to you guys about this before. I don't believe in fighting for something that doesn't exist. This world isn't fair. And I've gotten to where I've gotten because the world's not fair. And it's made me want to work as hard as hell in everything that I do, again, because the world isn't fair. And it seems like more and more we vote and we fight for only that which makes us comfortable. Um, I think that there's there's so much that we could that we could be doing in terms of taking ownership and accountability for the things that are going wrong. We don't need a politician or a president. And you guys have heard me say this to improve our neighborhoods, to improve things that are right outside of us. I think that there needs to be more work done on our end. And you look at the political landscape, you, you it's it's funny as a libertarian watching the democratic uh, debates. It literally looks like pe- like the party's eating itself. That's what it looks like. Everyone no one can and again this is because people want to just be comfortable. They'll throw Biden in the trash. They'll throw Kamala Harris in the trash. They'll throw Bernie in the trash. They'll throw Elizabeth Warren in the trash just because you don't agree with the little thing. What I've learned in my adult life is that you have to make concessions for certain things if you actually want progress. Me, even as a libertarian, I can absolutely support something like uh, something like universal health care if you want. Not because it's good or anything like that. But because we'll so readily spend billions, if not trillions of dollars, posturing militarily, and it's like then and, – and and no one really even sees – first of all, countries don't want to fuck with America anyway. Like no one wants to go to war with, with America. Well, but wars we'll, aren't really meaningfully waged as far as where not we're at the same. in a physical context yeah. anymore. Wars are wa- waged in a much different way anymore. Sure, absolutely. And, 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 what, putting, and what we see as conflicts and wars is, is – an extension of the pageantry, the overarching pageantry that I feel sure, like happens and is spoon fed to us yes, in our political system. Yes. And because of that stuff, I'm just like, okay, if we're going to spend a trillion dollars on the military and shout out to them with, for what all they do, why not spend a trillion dollars on, on healthcare and all that kind of stuff. But, but my problem with that system is if we're going to spend money on something like 
healthcare. We need to spend pro- we need to spend money on programs to make people healthier. Like being proactive about it as opposed to being reactive. But that's but going capital, to take capitalism doesn't stand to, to it doesn't benefit stand to benefit from, from, that. from it. But that's gonna take people taking ownership. If you don't like if you're angry about the grocery store having prices for for stuff that's organic, learn to grow your own shit. Like go if you hate some of the corporations and we, we, you and I have talked about if you hate Chick fil A, stop eating there. If you hate their policies and all this other kind of stuff, quit eating there. Like it's it just seems like there's so much that we could be doing as far as taking ownership for our own shit, and it's just so easy to blame and to to say and, and to get super political and to get all these other ways. Maybe I'm just this is my advertisement for the Libertarian Party or something. I don't know what it is, but I don't think that America deserve like well actually America is getting exactly what it deserves right now. Whether it's you know there's people pissed about the president, there's people pissed about all this stuff. We brought this upon ourselves. We need to own it. Well, and and I will say, what's going on right now, I will agree with you 100% to the extent that what's going on right now is very much of an, an indictment of, you know, uh, a collective of individuals acting irresponsibly. Like, it's an indictment of where American culture is at. Like, I, I will make that consignment, but... The the idea that we're getting what we deserve, what we deserve, that is even more so. Like we're assigning kind of static values to things. You know, we're putting things in in compartments to try and make sense of them. But I read a quote recently that says it's important to tell children that they can be anything that they want to be, so that when they grow up and it doesn't happen, um, they'll blame themselves and not the system. Okay, so. If we take your viewpoint and my viewpoint and blend those two motherfuckers together and foster accountability in those that we are able to foster accountability in and then make acknowledgments about the deficit or how far behind in the race other people are in terms of their viability to compete, I think we might be on to something as far as, okay, if you, if you are capable of entering into the competitive sphere – then by all means, let's enter into the competitive sphere. I'm all for that. I'm all for a free market. Mm-hmm. I'm all for that because I feel like it drives a lot of innovation. Mm-hmm. It drives humanity forward in some meaningful ways, even though it drives humanity forward, arguably backwards, in a lot of other ways because it may or may not stand to benefit from creating a refrigerator that lasts 50 years. Mm-hmm. With the technology today... Absolutely, 100%, any appliance that's in your motherfucking kitchen can be designed that it will outlive you. Mm -hmm. Easy. Easy fucking peasy. And it wouldn't be expensive to make one that would live longer than you. Mm -hmm. But they don't fundamentally fucking do it. Planned obsolescence. Absolutely. And I think another thing before any of us proceed is that, and I think it's fair for each man in this room to acknowledge that we are privileged. Everybody in this room is fortunate to be in the position that they're in. Not that we hadn't had struggles. Each and every Mm -hmm. one of us has had struggles that we've overcome. Very much so. But we're also privileged to struggle and to have been born with an intellect that allows you to do well despite not trying terribly hard. Super privileged. You know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? The same Another individual could grow up with the same woes as me, mm-hmm. but not have the same self-confidence, Yeah, not have the same um, 
I guess, psychological acuity when it comes to learning things. It's not, you can't tell those people to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. No, and that is not what I'm, that's not right. what I'm doing at right. all. Right, and that's why I'm saying that there, there is, I think there is a, a, we talked about the subjectivity of objectivity, but for the sake of just common usage, I think that there is an objective blend I won't say middle point because I don't think that what we're saying are diametrically opposed points. Mm. I think they could more be juxtaposed over one another. Sure. So we're, we're, we're saying that, you know, what's going on right now in the United States, we're getting exactly what we deserve. In my opinion, I think that's more of the same bullshit. I think that that's an extension of like the Horatio Alger myth where they're like, you know, you can be anything that you want to be. You have unlimited opportunities in this country. But as somebody that very subjectively, my, my own subjective experiences of overcoming things and being greater than I would have imagined that I could have been given my background, then working with the population that I work with, mm. it inherently has to make me advocate from a different perspective sure. when it comes to it. I guess I was never taught that I could be anything I wanted to be. It was find what you're good at and get good at that. Well, see, That's- and I, I, I motherfucking Sue Kilborn said it yesterday mm-hmm. or yeah. Yeah. Day before yesterday, Sue Kilborn said, uh, no, it was yesterday. She said, Chris could always, I, I believe 100% Chris could be anything that he wanted to be. Mm-hmm. And I was told that shit, but the onus yeah. The onus was on me, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Like 100%. And, and you know, to this day that's that stayed with me, but I don't I think I'm kind of an anomalous entity when it comes to that because I've never felt the pressure to live up to something or be something. Yeah. The bar was always set fucking low. If I was a good Jehovah Witness boy, mm-hmm. to her she would have been super happy with that shit. Yeah. So the bar was set there. Me graduating from college, me, you know, going on to graduate school, me running a a, a pretty expansive successful social program in our state all that kind of stuff was of my own design my own derivation but i think overwhelmingly if you're talking to a group of children you're addressing a group of children especially in real formative periods of time and all of these children are in a room and you tell them they're all equal. And, you know, it goes back to us saying the greatest lie that's ever told. Mm-hmm. And they, they feed that alongside the idea that you can be everything that you want to be. So both of those medicines are administered simultaneously. But the, also the medicine that that makes this makes it kind of messed up is the mindset that America is the greatest country of, of all time. You're so, right. So when you tell people that they can be whatever they want to be, when it doesn't happen, it doesn't work the way you thought where it says where they blame themselves. They, they grow up feeling entitled. Mm-hmm. Like we grow up feeling like we're owed something because we've been told we're the greatest. Like when you th- say I can be whatever I want, when it doesn't work out, then that's what happens. But for me, I was never told you can be whatever you want. Literally, when people would see my big ass as a kid, they'd be like, oh, it's a football player. From the beginning, my parents would be like, hell no, he's too soft. They would say that kind of stuff. K-boy. And that's, hey, and that's not... That's not say we're getting what, what, when you Playboy, say America K-boy. is getting what it deserves, or what, what are you referring to? Can you... Like the, the fact that people bit? think that things are messed up and, and, and they're <clears> yes. saying like things are unfair. Like right. we're bringing this upon them ourselves, like, and, oh, and we're sure. we're quick to blame Absolutely. everything else but ourselves. Yeah. There's a whole thing. Yes, people 
may not be able to learn in the same the same way. But I have yet in in my like it's I've seen it, but it's very rare anymore to see even extremely poor people without internet. Like I have learned so much from there. Maybe we yeah. need to be taught how to research or something yeah, like I, that. I, I see what you're getting at. But now, it's I like think. there's so and many I resources. Agree. But that's part to of learn. That's part of the equation too. Is is afford as much excess as possible to as many people as possible. Mm-hmm. You we and it, again, it's not sustainable. What we're doing, I think we can all agree, it's not sustainable. Sure. The way we're approaching things in the United States, consumption, um, produce production of plastics all this kind of shit that we're just like europe is light years ahead of us on like a bottle of fucking fanta and i know i brought this up on the program before but when you go to germany and you get a bottle of fanta that plastic bottle is five to ten times as thick Mm -hmm. and heavy duty as one in the united states so it can be reused they reuse those motherfuckers and there are machines set up all over the place where you can literally just take one of them bottles, put it in, and immediately get your money out. Mm. Immediately. So you see cats that are a little bit more of, I mean, you don't see a whole lot of, I didn't see a lot of homeless people in Germany. And I don't know if they were even homeless or not. But I saw a lot of people that would legit be like, you know, look around in the trash, see if they find a Fanta bottle, put that shit in there. The United States, our, our value system very much hinges upon the idea of satiation. Mm. Perpetual satiation facilitates docility. Mm. If you're always satiated, then you, you're going to be complacent. You're going to be like, well, my life's not that bad. It, it's it's fine. There's, there's no reason for people to get together, collaborate, and address issues when each and every person runs their own little private fiefdom that they've created, and they're mm-hmm. empowered to think is their right and is as good as it fucking gets, and I work hard for this, and I'm satisfied with it. And, and it feels good within that context, but if you take that and you try to scale it up, it doesn't. Mm-hmm. It doesn't scale up at all. It's, it's more fostered individualism. And I, I think it's inherently just another element to say that our populace is getting what it deserves at this point, mm-hmm. to me, is to somewhat gloss over the the systematic ways mm-hmm. that us as a population are guided and controlled. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, well, that, put both of those together, and that's what I would say. I, w- I would agree Entirely with what Kalu's saying, I would say the reason for that is what you're saying. I think it's systemic. I think that the formula, if you will, that our country was uh, predicated on can produce nothing else but what you have right now until we have an equal, a catalyst of equal magnitude to motivate us to reflect and inject something new into our culture. What would that be? Well, it's going to take. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, it, like, how would that collapse look? Because it sounds unfortunately, like... Unfortunately, we're going to have to be uncomfortable. I, that's the only thing I can imagine. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah. If you look at any historical, you know, context, yeah. the only thing that's done it is... You know what I think about? What's that? You see it? They just disarmed that guy on the bridge. With like, a narwhal yeah, tusk? The, yeah. Man, they'll, they'll do anything not to go... London's been flattened twice. Yeah. They've had enough. You know, there's stuff they want to balance out. They wish there wasn't so many Afghani or whatever immigrants and stuff, but they don't want to fight anymore. Yeah. Wait till we get New York knocked down for real or for LA real knocked down. down. We'll, we'll by grow by up. an actual other nation. Yeah, we'll grow up and be like, <laughs> you know what? 
Are you sure we can't yeah, work yeah. this out some other well, way? Well, I mean, it's but true. But like you said, no one can fuck with us. And I think it's stuff like that on your home soil yeah. that kind of makes you grow up a little bit. And yeah. we haven't had that. We've always had room to expand and exploit. Mm-hmm. And, and those who are out ahead of the expansion set up very effective systems to take advantage of everyone else's <clears throat> zeal to expand. You know, yeah. we got this idea that we all can get rich, rich eventually. It would be much more healthy if we had the sobering reality that you're better off with like an acre or two of land that you take care of that's yours with your family. You're not going to be Bill Gates. Like yeah. but, per- permaculture. Like if he was yeah, to foster that kind yeah, of shit. Yeah, but, you know, it's, it's, it's someone else's business yeah. to, um, you know, sell that identity to you. An example that I find interesting right now is like people who are practicing certain dietary habits or like tiny homes and stuff like that. Yeah. It's funny how we, we can't do shit in America without consuming. You know yeah. what I mean? They don't really do it in a vacuum. They don't just live. They do it in a way that somehow or another it's, it's a YouTube channel. You get what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. They like, yeah. you ain't really with the shits. Go live off the grid and be for real but about document it. document it so you can get fucking stacks from everyone yeah, watching Yeah, it's kind of funny. Stuff. But like, you know, but you buy it too. They yeah. like you go log cabin on somebody, you buy your identity just like the rest of us. I think yeah. it's kind of funny, but I think it's also uniquely American because it ain't shit for real. Yeah. You're just another kind of consumer, you know what I mean? Yeah. Them kale shakes and shit is as expensive as Big Macs, <laughs> you know what I mean? You're still consuming. <laughs> it's funny to me, though, yeah, but yeah. Um, I think, I don't know, man. I don't have enough political insight, but I think it doesn't it takes, have to be political. Well, I mean, well, I think that I feel like people with political <clears throat> insights can identify historical events that lead to people changing direction because all of them are pretty rough, pretty unfortunate. I don't yeah. know of anything that can it's, make it's, us grow up a little bit and not have that. It's really different this time because unlike any other empire that has crumbled before, yeah, every just about every economy anymore is is highly it it, it will damage other economies if America falls apart. Like literal other countries, because we Which consume. Part is, it? is is our consumption? <clears throat> our, yeah, okay. because okay. our okay. consumption is so high. Okay. That if we fall apart, everyone gets fucked. Okay. And so in this, I, I it's hard for me to to equate us to what has happened historically, but wow. I do agree with the fact that something has to, something equal has to happen, and it's funny because of I think it's Newton's third law objects that are in motion stay in motion mm-hmm. but objects uh unless acted upon by an equal or greater force uh-huh. but where is that equal or greater force and mm-hmm. i feel like it's here it's right here it is and well, i feel like I where, it, where it will come in it is going to be and this is going to sound super dorky and me with my tinfoil hat is a bunch of shit is going to get hacked by some crazy group like some mr robot type shit hmm. and someone is going to bring everything down that's what i see because i don't oh, see it happening okay. by and wiping war. your ass in the dark with the jc penny catalog has a way of putting it things has in a way exactly exactly so that's that would be want. good I'd, I'd hope it'd go down that way because that doesn't destroy the environment sure yeah yeah that makes sense Actually, you don't want anyone carpet bombing us because after, you know, it's I a funny thing do. you say that after like Europe was destroyed by World War Two, we were able to keep people fed 
by taking our bombers and dropping pallets of food. That was our way of combating the Soviet Union. Whenever they came to rise to power, we wanted to show everyone, hey, America is the better country. Because as soon as that war ended, the Soviet Union was like, whoosh, you know, they, they really, really took off. And our way to help, you know, and, and part of that restoration was, you know, we broke oh. up countries. We took a couple oh, okay. different lands. But then we took our bombers and just rained down food on, on the, in the nations Europe? in Eastern Europe. Yeah, no, Western Europe. We rained down food to really dissuade any of the countries from wanting to join join up with the Soviet Union and stuff like that. Because oh. when, when stuff like that happens, when you have big giant power vacuums and your entire country's been so laid we, to we waste. So we did it to other nations that were participating in the war? No, we did it after World War II. Uh-huh. Like part of, the, part of the plan to sort of build up American... Um, yep. influence but also provide aid to nations over there that were ravaged by okay uh, the wars was to drop food and aid and all that kind of stuff to be oh. able to help those people out oh, okay but when and it's going to be different this time because <clears throat> if i don't think people are going to come bombing our environments okay. and i never know, did that in any fps so i didn't know that it happened <laughs> yeah but yeah you just shot people up and that was it i didn't know that some <laughs> something that i've considered is you know that there's an ever-increasing deficit between the you know i call them the predator class but we'll say the elites you know that they whatever you want to motherfucking call them the people that hold a lot of the cards when it comes to making moves and capital Mm -hmm. they hold the majority of, of capital in the united states this group of individuals and i was watching i think it was on pbs and it was talking about how the word globalism is used as a scare word. Mm-hmm. Like globalism. I agree with that. Yeah, it's used as a scare word when really it's pretty innocuous. If mm-hmm. you think about it, it's it's not it's not it's a non-specific thing. It's really a theoretical thing when it comes to how they're trying to utilize it to freak people out and mm-hmm. say it's a bad thing. But really it amounts to the kind of the same reason why there's so much anti-union talk. Unions are dangerous. But if you look at capital in terms of the deficit between the middle class or all of us and them, Mm -hmm. you know, the predator class, the elites, whatever you want to call them, and the rest of us, they are accruing more and more of the pie all the time. Mm-hmm. They they incre- they increase the percentage of overall assets capital that's held by human beings in the United States, and it's accelerating. It's not like it's leveled out. It's it's continuing to increase that they hold a higher percentage of the capital in the United States. Mm-hmm. You dig? I, I think that that would be a consistent fucking thing across a lot of places, like that uh, Chinese billionaire. How do you get to be a motherfucking billionaire in China? Hmm. We'll leave it at that. But a point that was brought up in this uh, broadcast on PBS, which I'm sure they some motherfucker listening, it's like, oh, goddamn liberal PBS. <laughs> but it really was non, it, it was the way it was presented, it was pretty benign, but it was stating that capital is already globalistic. Mm-hmm. The way capital is shifted, utilized, and implemented is already a globalistic presence. Mm -hmm. You transcend nationality once you become a multi-billionaire. Sure. You very much fucking do. Unless some shit goes awry and you got to flee China because the other cats that was dipping in the pot are mad at you. Mm -hmm. Um, What isn't globalized is the populace 
and labor. Labor has not been been globalized in any meaningful way. There's no collaboration when it comes to that or no meaningful collaboration because that throws a hitch in, like you were saying, everything gets, all this money gets poured into the military industrial complex. And in reality, we lightweight are just shifting little chess pieces around and not fighting meaningful conflicts. It's political battles that make sense to destabilize this government. You and I talked about Gaddafi. Gaddafi, is there, can you all think of anybody other than Gaddafi that, that his economy was based on the gold standard? After, you know, we, did, we don't use the gold standard anymore. Who was the last motherfucker to use the gold standard? Was it Gaddafi? Find it. <clears throat> Keep going on but, and all. But anyway, it had to make sense on paper. It did. They don't. You don't have to prove to be an imminent threat, but there are no new frontiers in the United States in a meaningful way. So things are being wars are being waged in a different fucking way altogether. So you pour money into the military industrial complex, and you hear the military part, but a lot of people gloss over the industrial part. We go places and we sell people our brand of democracy. We have private organizations go in and get contracts to do X, Y, and Z. A lot of these organizations have ties to political entities. I mean, and and this isn't something that's coming from left-wing conspiracy theorists, a lot of this shit is coming from just your straight up, a lot of times, center, right of center conspiracy theorists. That this is just kind of how businesses run on a global scale. I so, find it fascinating, though, watching it happen. If we don't have a Mr. Robot style like thing happen, um, it, I, I don't know. I've been watching uh, Hassan Minhaj a lot lately yeah I like yeah him. He's, a good he's a good example though of what's gonna happen it's like man you cannot stop i'm gonna just say melanated people but you get you can't stop p- humans period because it's almost like um capital and especially the western dominance of the planet it you, it creates its own doom you know oh yeah they made those people look i remember just it wasn't even 10 years ago when someone was making a joke about how india had just came into comedy it's ancient culture. They didn't have stand-up comedians, and all of a sudden they had them, you know? It's weird how how it was. They just didn't have the kind of comedy that we have, and I thought that was kind of cool. But the fact that people will fill in the gaps and the kind of human that can slip past and end up replacing whatever we think of as the dominant mentality in the West, it's bound to happen. You can kind of see it happening right now, too. I wonder if you guys like kind of agree with, with that, too, because... People love Indian people, okay? Yeah. Yeah. Like, they don't fall into any of those categories yeah. that anyone can easily hey. And they but, can lightweight they, say anything. They got yeah. they got a free yeah. pass to yeah. say whatever they they've want. They've been through there, they've they had their standoff with Europe. Mm-hmm. They've been and they're slowly, slowly creeping on a coat. And it's yeah. funny to me because do you know what I'm getting? Slowly, at? they're fucking yeah. they're yeah, in, yeah, yeah, yeah. They're it's running funny to shit. Me because I see it and I'm yeah. like, man, you cannot yeah. stop uh that sort of balance from happening in consciousness. That's the perspective I take on it. Sure. But but it's bound to happen before you know it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, it's already, it's not enough to be what we think of as the typical American. It's not enough. You don't bring enough value anymore. I'm referring to what you said earlier about people feeling entitled and stuff. Yeah. I know being raised on welfare and stuff, I know what that broken psychology is like. And I know being raised not that way, but being raised with, the, with that silly idealism of the American dream, how it produces it too. 
I, I'm in the room with people who don't know that things are not supposed to go their way all the time. Mm. They don't know that they have that position of expectation because they're that comfortable. Yes. Mm-hmm. And, and we when, know, th- you when know shit doesn't partic- go your way, yeah. you, it's, you are supposed to respond, yeah. not react. And a lot yes. of people are yes. just reacting. Yes. And now today, especially in the corporate world where I'm at, you got to have an edge because of capitalism's um, constant need for growth, where they call it growth, whatever they call it, when you have to always grow in a company. It's a oh, name for it in e- economics, whatever, growth-based economy. Right. Mm-hmm. You have to always, which is really weird to me, too. It's weird. you got to always be bringing something more. And now we've, we're beginning to see not only an exhaustion of, but a diminishing return on our particular approach to, you know, commerce and stuff and the people who got what it takes to bring that other they don't look like what you might call the traditional american yes and And so it's bound to happen so and they're no longer coming here for that for those opportunities because what would happen is that a lot of the talent yeah you shut up bro (laughs) a lot of the talent yeah would would come over here because there was that um it was very enticing to come to america but yeah because of the internet, because everyone is becoming more, because of yeah. globalization, all non, that kind of stuff. Shacha uh, whatever, or or Palihapitiya. Do you hear those guys talk? Mm-mm. They're bold, man. Yeah, they're bold. Like, Are they straight, getting people to stay in their countries? And yeah, innovate? they're straight out of Silicon Valley and went with their billions back yes. over to um, Bengaluru. Or, yes, because um, it carries like, way more weight yeah, over they're there. They're just like, mm-hmm. meh. They're like, we don't want to create. We don't want to be the next Mark Zuckerberg. We want to show you what. Yes, the equivalent of that, if he were born here in Bangladesh, would look like, and and that and that's really really yes. interesting to me. And we know all kinds of other levels at which this sort of shift is happening. It's yeah. happening at the male female level too, because the females are underrepresented and all that stuff. But I was going to ask, uh, Br- Bryce, are you very political, like Kalu? Uh, I'm somewhat political, uh, not as political as Kalu. You don't even um, have to be. I guess I made it too political, but no, yeah, you were like I, I libertarianism. No, no, no. Now here, I'm even critical that, of the party as well. Well, when you say that, I keep picturing you sitting in front of like MSNBC or something getting no, fired no, up. I, no. I just like it sounds like when you sometimes you. That's why I say that. I yeah, know you yeah, don't mean no, to be entirely yeah. political. I was just trying to alley you to to hear Bryce's perspective because. Yeah, I have um, a tendency to just simplify things. So one thing that jumped out at me was Kalu has told us about his background on the podcast, um, about his, his his beginnings, about his parents' beginnings, about um, you know where he came from and where they came from and where he's at now. And he made the point that um, his parents never told him he could be whatever he wanted to be, but everything that he's said on the podcast alludes to or demonstrates that they showed him that if you're a hustler and that if you're driven and if you're motivated to get that education and to wipe aside anybody that would get in your way from achieving, you can achieve. So you said wipe them from achieving. Oh, anybody, anybody that would be a clear your path. Oh, okay. I I don't want you to think like, I'm like, no, anybody that's going to be a stepping on people's necks and shit. (laughs) Listen, bitch, if I have to. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, so when I when I think like of what uh, what you're told versus what you see, and what impact what you see in practice has on you mm-hmm. versus 
the lip service that you so get. So it's like crystallized intelligence versus fluid and like plastic intelligence. Correct. So what's being demonstrated to me is if I work my tail off, there is a reward in terms of social capital and intellectual capital and social mobility through what I can bring to the table, regardless of whether or not I'm told oh, you can be okay. whatever you Let, want to be. For, for, for us, though, it's the reward is not in the form of social capital. It's in the word. It's it's in the fact that you worked. That's what it is. So the, and, and because of that, I'm not scared to lose. Like if if I lose all my shit, no one's gonna take away the work that I put in. It's the climb. That's that's what we've always known. Right. Because and it is from starting with. And I've, I've said that <clears throat> since I met you. Maybe I haven't said it enough that you would remember me making a reference to it. But that's what when we met. Whatever you liked about me, that's what I liked about you. Mm-hmm. I've said that. I don't know if you remember that, but I've all, you were a young kid, but mm-hmm. you didn't seem to have that poison mm-hmm. that I know I had and was always fighting against. You were just different. I thought you were corny. Yeah. Like you went to Greenwood. I, I was like, poisoned too from an early age. But, but, but Kalu didn't have that jadedness. And I thought that was really, really refreshing. Mm-hmm. So I like to be around someone that, and watch their trajectory when they don't have the things you, you would encounter. Yeah. And be like, uh, which is how I think was. Yeah. Like things you would shrug off that I would make some big deal about. Like I keep a pack of fresh plastic wrapped race cards in my back pocket <laughs> race like, cards yeah. and I can pull them out at any second and this is slamming down I would flick them like Gambit yeah. it'd be like you know like, like, switch guy, back now you're racist and yeah. they cuts bananas in half <laughs> when he goes <laughs> Kalu and I would be talking about the meaning of life or some heartbreak stuff, and I'd be, you know, pitching philosophy at him and stuff. But I would be observing, man, you have that's that didn't bother you or that thing, and I knew that was better. Yeah, I knew that. I'm I'm hoping I'm not talking to myself again like I do, but I know that what you're describing to me is a much healthier perspective, and it it's not one where I feel we need a balance between the two. I think it's one where we could definitely do without whatever that sickening entitlement that's put into Americans uh, through whatever vectors put into us from because either way we're taken advantage of by it and I think it yeah. would be much cooler it makes me overindulge it makes me very very like anxious and scared to take risk I fight it yeah, every day I, I don't like and yeah we'll I, take I work risk. with people I've seen all my the time lose so much money yeah. off of just risk business yeah. ideas and, and it's put not your beca- heart into places where they don't give a fuck about you too yeah you end up you going thinking that you, you are Look, special but you're yeah. at some corporation well, we were you're t- not it, special to them no you why would you do that wouldn't it be better just to think of this as a paycheck take the paycheck home and do something meaningful with it don't go like giving your life and yeah your whole it, you know, identity it's, it's funny. into your job or your title and stuff. so something that i put a lot of uh hard work and all that kind of stuff in work-wise um, on a on a big project I was working on, right? We're able to do a lot of cool things with it, but it didn't make the money mm-hmm. that that we sort of put down. I can go into different reasons why, like not completely following my plan, but the fact, you know, there's some people that would they would sort of make a comment thinking that it would affect me because it didn't make the money that we thought. You mean at your corporation? Yeah. Okay. But I'm just like well, we at least we did something. At least we tried. At least yeah. we put in the work. That's the shit that I can go home and sleep well yeah. over. And it was it was in a, a, one of our earlier episodes where I talked about companies that reward that, like Google, 
which oh, they, yeah. when, when you start a project and it fails miserably because Google has had much more failed prop, you know, projects sure. and they have actual launched ones. And when they fail projects, you get a pay bonus and you get time off just going yeah, chillax, which is just really do cool. And I know you're ma- not making a hundred percent correlation between those two things, but you no, don't it's, think it's it's for that same reason. Yeah, it's that just Google yeah, that's not. It's it, just right? the grind. You just get people that you're um, not worried about some reward or some kind of entitlement. It's just the grind. Like there are so many people out there. I would say probably ninety eight percent of people are working to get paid. Even me in sales, and some days I I'll yeah. say I'm working to get paid, but. I still love the grind, dude. I love it more than I just. I just like. I the find work. myself in that position accidentally because I'm yeah. lucky to do what I love, and so I get to operate that way. But it was not always the way I thought. You know what yeah. I mean? I still have to remind myself, and I go find the like the the most the person that's my inverse. Yeah, they work the most corporate, straight laced like dude that. Went to tennis camp in the summer and kind of yeah. do, and I always get that sobering perspective. I had to do it recently about something where, again, I thought I wasn't getting listened to. And he was just like, yeah, yeah, you're smarter than all those guys in the room, but they're going to beat you because they 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 play the game better. They're nicer and they they beat, they beat play soft skills better. Mm-hmm. And because I want to think that, and I know I want to think that particular intellectual contributions or talent shouldn't matter. You know what I mean? But and it doesn't. What, it's it's thank the, you. It doesn't. It's the Alan what I so call let's the Alan talk Iverson about, effect. Let's talk about then. <laughs> and I think you were on this. You were on the episode where that we were on, uh, where we brought you on was about equality. When you can say that uh, there's a lot of people that think that just by raw talent you're going to get somewhere when that's not the case. And it is you're in HR, like playing that game, being able to do some of the stuff that you didn't think that you have to do. Some mm-hmm. of the stuff that they weren't, that they don't teach you in schools, mm-hmm. like you know where that's the right. schools are saying work hard. And this is the stuff that's going to happen that's for right. you all the all the time. Like there's just certain skills that you have to adopt, and you have to become you have to become the monster to beat the monster. Sometimes that's right, and um, I like to think I know why that is. I wish that we would could teach young people. The reason why I don't have any problem with the harsh, the reality of it. Yeah. But um, when I think about it, I'm given to think that it would have been helpful to know that. Maybe that's just my personality. Yeah. All right. Well, Juicy, tell us about tell us about equality then. Well, just think about globalization that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. If you closed your eyes and I told you to personify globalization, is it a Caucasian male? Yeah. No, I mean, it, uh, well, I, when when I think about it in terms of when I hear globalization, I picture a white dude with his hair parted on the side saying the word globalization. Right. When, okay, but when I hear globalization, so you're talking about as an abstract, like if I'm picturing the actual phenomena of globalization, what does globalization look like? It doesn't. The well, it's it looks scary to that same dude. Exactly. It's very melanated. It's very uh, diverse. It's a spectrum of color. Mm-hmm. If I tell you to personify or to visualize the top one percent, well, it's that it's that dude. It yeah. is that dude. It's that dude, <laughs> right? Biff. So, so that dude and oh, his Papa. team are holding all the cards, and they have no vested interest in doing anything to globalize, unless it affects their bottom line in such a way that they. Stay head and shoulders above everyone else. And if anything, mm. they have an incentive mm. 
to do the opposite of that. They ha- It's incentivized for them holding the cards to do the opposite. Exactly. So when I think of Google and I think of the team of engineers and programmers that are Indian and that are Asian and that are white and that are black and the team that they've assembled, I see that as being successful globalization. But when I hear globalization at my brake factory, it's very weaponized as far as, well, the plant closed and they opened it up in Mexico and they're taking all our jobs down there. That's also globalization, but it's not globalization in the Google way that it seems would actually make the situation better in America. It's globalization in a way it's that I can separate you from Mexico or shepherd. No. I can throw your hate towards Mexicans when it was actually our shareholders that decided these dividends aren't what we need them to be. Move this to a different and, country. Okay. And that shows. Such that our bottom line is far, far less output into the workers and more that's, money that's into global our pockets. Capital. That's and global that, capital. Yeah. And that is our, and, and that very much, very much, and much Do you better. All think that that's illu- bad, though. Well, Yes and no. I mean, okay. overwhelmingly so, but it has positive elements. No, okay. Nothing and and good and bad are subjective as fuck. You know, if they're mm-hmm. social constructs or whatever. But Bryce just articulated much better what I was trying to articulate that the capital capitalism and globalism are already bedfellows. Mm-hmm. They're already there. Ca- your capital, you think that top one percent. Or top point zero zero one percent. Do you think that they would ever be so lackadaisical with their empire as to hitch their wagon to America as their their winning horse? Mm. No, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Their identity from a uh, a capital standpoint, from a financial standpoint you know we say capital because money don't mean nothing after a certain fucking point whenever uh uh elon musk can lose 600 million dollars in a day and it have a negligible difference on his overall his defense he had a shitload of orders on that car oh oh, oh, yeah oh yeah oh yeah but (laughs) but 600 million dollars to him wasn't a motherfucking thing yeah no so and then to bring that shit back around to say, okay, well, we've already got the big fucking ferocious part of globalism that we are fr- afraid of, that we should be afraid of. The real personification of the boogeyman in uh, globalism is them taking our money and running with it. The fact that they can essentially, even if the United States were to collapse, some of these larger entities and even private entities have contingency plans set to fuck up where it's not going to affect their goddamn bottom line if no. we fucking crash out. Yeah. So that capital is already cushioned. Well, even though even though I get what you're saying about our consumer culture is one of the driving forces for other economies, yeah. there's already been a contingency plan set up to ensure that that capital ends up in the hands of some fucking body. Yeah. But you, we asked him about equality, mm-hmm. and we're talking about equality, and the other side of that, the side that really is the stifling thing where it's weaponized with globalism, is to say that the, the workers in Mexico are your enemy, rather than saying the workers in Mexico are just like you, 
They're fighting the same battle as you. They're doing the same job as you. You have an incentive to collaborate with these motherfuckers. Mm -hmm. You have an incentive to learn another language. You have an incentive to understand other yes. cultures and things yes. like that. Again, and that's part that's of the formula. That's where I come from. That's, well, and that's part of the formula in the United States is we're all about assimilation. Yeah. We really yes. are. Like, they talk about, like, the different concepts. We're the melting pot. Yeah. Melting pot is just a cutesy fucking term for assimilate. Mm-hmm. Or get removed like yeah. a, like we, a fucking bay we leaf. Speak yeah. English here, right? Yeah. So I and and to that point, you know, we're talking about we everything we've been talking about has been in these terms that a lot of people, it's it's an abstraction, or we're talking sure. in terms of like philosophy and big ideas, right? Yeah. To put it in practice, to put it in like we're 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 discussing it in the the ether, the object. Mm -hmm context right now right for the most sure. part um but the where's the where's the subjective element where do we pull a subjective element in and implement it scientifically and i've been working with some gentlemen and they came out of west virginia it's part of a organization um the we we call them the org code mm -hmm. dudes but it's sounds like some illuminati shit well they're that. they they help address homelessness mm -hmm. in west virginia and um i just got trained a while back on a tool it's called the service prioritization decision assistance tool mm -hmm. and it's the spadat for short which is kind of fun to say I had to tell y'all what it stood for before mm -hmm. I just started throwing around spadat mm -hmm. because it's just a little scatty for me <laughs> but the spadat <clears throat> and they and they say you know it's not a perfect test measure it's you're utilizing it, and it's got subjective elements that come down to the person that's implementing the assessment. But that assessment takes into consideration in a very, very, I don't want to say exhaustive, because, you, you know, you don't want to sell yourself short. But it's, it's a meaty test measure that tries to quantify how at risk an individual is regarding their homelessness situation or their housing situation. To simplify that, there is a world of difference between a 25-year-old able-bodied male mm -hmm. that that hit a hit a bad patch, doesn't suffer from substance use disorder or a sure. or a severe mental illness, anything like that, doesn't have fibromyalgia, able to work, whatever. Hit a bad spot. Something fucking happened. Him and his old lady broke up. He was hard up. He had nowhere to say. So he's couch surfing. That's still, that's considered you're homeless. Mm. Um, but there's a vast difference between that and an individual that is unmedicated, has a severe mental illness diagnosis, a SUD, substance use disorder diagnosis, um, has diabetes, and is living under a bridge. Mm. Okay. So th this tool assesses where you're at on roughly that kind of a spectrum, okay. right? right? What and again, we're, we're not at, we're not at this point yet because our system stands to benefit from um, keeping as many of us as satiated and comfy as possible, and not competing for their capital. Yeah, that's what it come down sure. to, like. Our basic standard of living, like, okay, we got this surplus. 
electronics are easy to get, the internet's easy to get, but what it isn't easy to get is property that you can hand down to the next generation mm-hmm. and keep that process fucking going. That's more difficult to I do. I think of uh, I read an article or you know there was some talk a while back about the lack of affordable housing in Bowling. Oh yeah. Now when I, I go to those meetings and get mad at people, right? <laughs> when I went to uh, Western, you know, I graduated Western in two thousand seven. Bowling Green looked vastly different. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. Every nook and cranny that was open space is now townhomes, yep. duplexes, major apartment complexes. That cost more than my mortgage. Exactly. <laughs> Everyone. <laughs> yeah, so you've got maybe a team of investors that say, hey, we're going to address this housing situation in Bowling Green. And they come in and they build all these places and they say, all right, it's $800 a month. And then you've got people that are like, oh, well, I've got this really nice apartment or whatever. They don't have the resources outside paying to stay in these places to live life or to prosper. But outside no, who's that, that on? All. No, 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 no. I, I, I want, I want to know, like, well, and I got this. Well, you've got this the pe- is me. This well, is yeah. what I do. The people at the top that said, oh, well, look, we're solving this problem, but they actually didn't. They sure. made it look like they were solving a problem, and I think that's the American way. Let's make it look. Like we're solving a problem. And then blame the victim. And then blame the victim. And then, though, and then the victims even want, and I I don't want to talk about, like, I'm not necessarily talking about housing here, but I want to talk about things like, like jobs, right? So the same thing happens in, obviously, in factories and stuff like that. But whenever the victim gets fucked over, when that factory moves to Mexico, the victim will blame Mexicans for taking their jobs because that's what I that's what I see a lot of. But what I've always been of the mindset of, and I wanted to jump in, but I didn't want to interrupt you uh, when you were talking about it, was that we should there is a there is an entire generation, and I wish that didn't bleed into the ones that are coming up now that think that it's okay to stay at a brake factory or anything. For 30 years. And do like, you know what I tell those kids every day? Get my the human fuck resources out. The <laughs> what do you tell them? Well, first I ask them, what are you doing here? What is your plan for the next several years? If yeah. I'm an 18, 19-year-old, maybe I'm at home with mom and dad. Yeah. Yes. Burn these hours up in this factory. Stack paper. Yeah. And then make moves that are going to make financial yes. sense and actually allow you and your generations behind you to come. Yes. Up. But if your plan is to stay at this machine and run this machine for 20 or 25 years, the jobs are changing constantly. Mm -hmm. Tools are specific to jobs. So if you're not adding tools to your toolbox, the way of investing in yourself, in the way of education Mm -hmm. or learning certifications, uh, exactly. If you haven't been adding tools to your toolbox for 20 years, when this machine that you put all of your energy into learning, this one right here dies. Where does that leave you? Exactly. If I'm a new employer coming along, what do you have to bring to the table? Oh, I can run, I can run hot press 51 yeah. at 150% capacity. That's awesome. I have a robot to do that now. What exactly. Else can you do? The same thing applies though in people in the high priced apartments. <clears throat> if you're gonna get it. I 100% support you going and paying $800 for your apartment, but understand that that there's a cost of entry into that nice apartment, into that lifestyle or something like that. So what do you what other skills are you going to learn? What other side hustles are you going to take up? I support 
Go sell drugs if that's some shit that you want to go do. Like, I support any sort of side hustle. If if this is what you want, then be willing to do the shit to get there. And, and like, I feel like we're, we're doing a whole lot of a whole lot of blaming when I think that a lot of the stuff we can handle ourselves. I've seen some people do some creative shit, man. Again, there's kids sell. I mean, you go to Florida. I go to, you hit a stoplight in Miami. There's a dude probably making stupid guap selling you pineapples. You know that, you know, they are making stupid money doing that kind of stuff. Pineapples, flowers. And then you also have a gentleman that said, ah, got laid off from the factory. What am I going to do? Gets on YouTube, starts watching other professionals, other very smart people yeah. who are sharing their knowledge for free. And they, they and share they because they don't think you're going to go in and try and beat them. Exactly. And then I'm a handyman now that has learned on YouTube how to rewire this, how to oh plumb that, God. how to do that, and are making a living for themselves with free information. It's yes. about your hustle. Whenever somebody comes to me and is like, oh, my life is so hard, I say, listen, I work five jobs. Yeah. I have absolutely no interest in hearing your story because I'm at a factory six days a week. I work at two nursing homes. I go to school because I'm switching careers to yeah. nursing. Uh, and I do some, some work at a, a couple of local nurse practitioners offices. My hustle is up here and my kids see that yeah. every day. And that's going to bleed into what they see. Exactly. Which is the point that I was trying to make earlier. I can tell my kids whatever I want to tell them all day, every day, but they see dad hustling every day and not making excuses when things don't go his way, not blaming, oh, well, the the neighbors over here have all this and have all that. That's good. Don't hate on the neighbors. Good for them. Congratulate them. Go get what you want and take full ownership of your failures and your successes and then show your kids the same thing so that we can come up. Your come up has nothing to do with the next man to an extent. Now, the people that hold all the cards still have a vested interest in not providing you anything to give you a leg up to where they are. There's mm-hmm. no benefit yeah. for the Rockefellers to want the Najokus to yeah. be the Rockefellers. Yeah. There's no benefit. So, But there's a certain point where of awareness where I say, why would I want to be on that level? Well, that's, the, that's the other thing that, that I, I feel like we hit that at a – very early age maybe it's the culture i have it could be it could be maybe we're just so full of our own bullshit where we'll always just say like nah i like what i have or something like that and and we're taught to be grateful for the crumbs that we fight over yeah and i hate to look at it that way because maybe i've been brainwashed and and i feel fortunate because you know i see my clients reside in conditions that i take for fucking granted when i when I help facilitate somebody having a house who is or an apartment and they've never had an apartment on their own, it really has a profound impact when I go home and I'm like, damn, like I can I I, I can pay this rent. Mm-hmm. I can pay this seven, eight hundred dollars for my little house here by myself. I'm fortunate enough to have the utility to have a position that affords me enough to do that. Now, even with that, I don't have an extraneous, uh, like an, a whole lot of extraneous income. I just fucking don't. Do you know 
do y'all have any idea what what constitutes affordable housing with without utilities included? What what would you say constitutes affordable rental housing on like a one bedroom, one bath? You're saying constitutes in terms of price or in Bowling saying? Green? Yeah, in Bowling Green, Kentucky. I, I would say when when the um, cost of how of the housing itself and um, not including the utilities you pay is less than twenty percent of your income. See, it, it's it's supposed to be thirty or less. It's the sta- it's supposed to be the standard is is what we work off of. That's sure. what our Kentucky State Government KHC. That's okay. what they work off of. Does the thirty but, include like the utilities? Do they kind of work that in? No, it's just the flat rate of yeah, what rent is. For right, that place? right. Okay. Now, if if we get somebody into a spot and it does have utilities included, then it's kind of serendipitous and it mm-hmm. can get taken care of in those terms. But even devoid of like. Um, like my program or anything, think about like college kids or anybody looking for a place to stay, young professional or whatever. What would you all say would constitute like the average price in Bowling Green for a one bedroom, one bath? Um, I'd say the average price for one bedroom, one bath in Bowling Green is probably seven hundred bucks. What would you say? Six hundred. That's what I was gonna say. Maybe about six, six. Feels like the price is right. Okay. One dollar, Bob. Okay. <laughs> All right, and, and y- y'all want to know what's interesting is that y'all are pretty close to own mm. the motherfucking money, but y'all on the low end of it. Mm. My people, I, I get some of the most affordable housing in Bowling Green, um, by virtue of a. Uh, a laundry list of issues like stigma that's associated with working with social programs, um, subsidies like section eight, things like that. Some landlords just don't want to fuck with it, you know? And honestly, you know, I have to be particular about, you know, where I encourage a person to stay because, you know, if, if you're a symptomatic individual and this particular property manager is not sympathetic to the fact that, you know, this person jousts with some shit and it ain't going to fly. Mine on average for the low end, mm-hmm. for the motherfucking low end is in the mid fives. Yeah. 550 to $600. That's low income housing. So the majority, if you look at average now, there are fucking dozens, if not hundreds of units sitting empty. One, two, Maybe yeah. three bedroom units mm-hmm. that cost so much money in Bowling Green because oh. people showed up and they wanted to build them. So what's happened is it's skewed a lot of the statistics on things, and we have a population of students in W at WKU's campus. When Bryce and I, well, when, when all of us was going, it tuition was under two thousand dollars a semester when I started out. It was fucking, I was getting paid to go to school mm-hmm. and tuition was fucking nothing. Now, when I do the annual K count, which is a census of um, the homeless population in Warren County, I hit up Walmart parking lot. Invariably, there are Western students, people that are enrolled in college full time, sleeping in a fucking vehicles because they cannot afford a, oh, any goddamn thing. I remember thing. when yeah. Chandler built those joints. On Broadway, right there, yep. and they were like eight, nine, and eleven. I, those were unheard of mm-hmm. numbers. And now it's the 11, norm, it's bro. 900. I was like, "What are you? Nine hundred dollars?" So something we can't gloss in over. Green? Something we can't gloss over is the climate that is invariably being created mm-hmm. by those who hold a disproportionate amount of capital. Yeah. 
We can't. And those people have an agenda, that, and that agenda trickles down. Um, small what do you ta- say to that, Kalu? I say that in that there is a shift in this generation now where we're doing things that I believe that much, much, much earlier generations had no problem doing, where you see kids going and, like, you'll see a shitload of them living together. Or something like that. Yeah. And out of necessity. See, out, in, out of necessity. Holding two jobs. Yeah. Yeah. We, we'll, Going to school full time. Yeah. You'll see a lot of that kind of stuff happening. I'll also say that a lot of the immigrant population have never had a problem having multiple families chilling out in a, in a house. No. That's always been a thing. Whenever we would have new Nigerians coming in the, in the 90s, 90s when Nigerians were starting to come into Bowling Green... It was our family's house where they would stay with us for a year or two. We would have that extra income from them working at Crystals or Goodies or any kind of job or something like that. And we would just help each other out, bring you up when you're ready to go, you go. Like, I don't, it's that is something that I'm just used to. Well, and okay, so I think so that's that happening not more. An American, uh-uh. That's not an American value. And because of globalization, if we take on those mindsets of being like, hey, let's all just squat up and get a place together, I think that a lot of shit can go down. So in my neighborhood, I see a lot of, there's a big like Cambodian population, stuff like that in there. They have nice ass houses, but there's like nine of them in there. And they they have beautiful homes, beautiful yards, all that kind of stuff. It's just squad mentality. Exactly. So with the squad mentality, let's say we're Hispanic. All of us know how to roof. All of us know how to do carpentry. There are, we have a $1,500 a month house, yeah. but there are 10 of us that live there. We each pay $100 a month yeah. and bring home a full-time Stupid guap. We're so, all driving Escalades and shit like that. Exactly. You know what so I'm after the bills are paid, yeah. we still have a pool of collective resources to help each other come yeah. up. That's not an American mindset. And that, but it's one we should adopt. Oh, absolutely it's one we should adopt. So I think the question... Our masters whole, don't want that, though. Exactly. So the question for the whole episode is, what is the catalyst for the haves and the have-nots to work collectively to make America a better... What what America To is, get what who, they feel like who they was deserve. It? Was exactly. It, was it Frederick Douglass, and I might be paraphrasing this, no slave has ever won freedom by appealing to the sensibilities of his master. Was that Frederick Douglass? I I forget where that quote Could came be, from. But it sounds good. It sounds good. Okay, yeah. well, <laughs> I, I think that there's never going to be a point where you have meaningful collaboration. I think if you've got somebody that's already, it, it might as well constitute a subset of humanity. They've been so isolated, and they it, it's several families that all keep that capital within those families and it's 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 just a rehashing of how royalty worked back in the fucking medieval days. Mm-hmm. It's you keep you you breed with your fucking cousin or your sister because you keeping that shit in the fucking family, and it also increases the purity of your blood. I think you know they've kind of figured that out a little bit. The anemia and the big old jaws and shit like mm-hmm. that. They <laughs> they've streamlined that shit. I don't think that we're gonna get to a point where we have. Um, meaningful discourse with our slave fucking masters. I don't, and I don't, and I don't want to demonize them as being horrible people because that's th- those are social constructs to assign them those values. That's the only world they fucking know. It's not like they are looking 
down through the microscope and seeing us struggling eating ramen noodles that's not what's happening they legit live in a different fucking reality than we do and they lightweight feel like it's their duty to keep shepherding the planet in the direction that they feel like is best for them and and the like their mutual shared interests what i thought about when we're talking about globalism and how it's weaponized and how it's it's taught to be the boogeyman well when we talk to blue collar folks who overwhelmingly this is targeted towards to keep them, you know, it, it, and it goes off of the same vein as unionization, instead of saying an ethnic group or a nationality squatting up and doing things, what about a trade? What if all the fucking welders on the planet decided, okay, we're going to create a welder, a global welders network, a global welders union, and we're going to demand certain recompense for our trade. Again, I understand that certain nations are, are developing, don't have the resources to pay if there was some kind of standard that was put in place. There's a lot of logistical things that need to be worked out. To the out. point where they'll start affecting economic policy well, or political policy? Is that kind of what you're... It, it, well, it sounds like NRA. To... Kind of. To, to, a, to a degree, uh, not as much the NRA because the NRA protects the interests of specific corporate entities that yeah. produce firearms. But I think in a welding but, thing, then some company that supplies the welders with the baddest welder tool or whatever is going to make their way in. But that, but that, but when we're talking about unions, sure. when we're talking about actual unions... Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a difficult fucking thing because you're having a whole bunch of imperfect individuals trying to collaborate across on a global scale. Yeah. Doesn't seem fucking feasible. Whatever. Okay. But the welding thing is just an example yeah. that yeah. think about what kind of force, how, how necessary welders are and and the utility that welders have. If all of them decided one day, hey, Unless you change this shit, ain't no motherfucking work going to be done. And again, we're not well, talking about welders specifically. Yeah. We're talking about humanity in general. We're talking about labor. Sure, so, sure. So union is, the, the problem with union unionization on the American front is the same problem with globalization of labor. It, oh. re, it, removes, it removes the power from the corporate entity, the corporate master, and puts it in the hands, at least to a degree, it at least somewhat levels the playing field so that the workers have some leverage and they're not disposable. Okay, that, that part is... Okay, you can think of it that way. But I also live and, and work with that saying I've said before, if you live your life and work like a script, one of us is going to write one to replace you. So I think that a lot of the companies are just waiting for a good excuse to put that robot welder in there to just handle the thing. They did the same thing with like the cotton gin that handled it. You know what I'm saying? There's all kinds of other inventions out there to just be like, all right, when you're ready to, to when, when we're done milking you of all of your, of all of your time and, and internal resources and energy and stuff, we are, we've already come up with something that's going to replace you. This is why America has more gold when we were talking gold you know uh, gold standard and stuff like that this is why america has more gold than i think the next almost 10 countries combined like that that's how much we're rolling on and so whenever the dollar starts to drop in value gold starts to go up in value we're just waiting for the time where that kind of currency is no more 
then we're going to shift over to this thing because we've always had this in place. And gold is going to have way more weight and way more value than any dollar could ever could ever have. So I think that they're they're just waiting for that moment to happen. It just doesn't look good to but, replace a thousand workers with ten robots. But something that you got to think of, though, and they they figured this out a long time ago, and they keep this in mind is that, um, and not using this in a pejorative, it's just the best word for it. A parasite, a good parasite, doesn't kill its host immediately. It mm. you know it it it. it it just lives off the host. It get, yeah. The host stays alive and it feeds off of the host. Yeah. So there's some implicit understanding amongst the orchestrators of a lot of this shit that it's not in their best interest to completely and utterly strip us of that. Of that. Because sure. when they do that, it, it affects their bottom line and the lights go off and we're wiping our asses with JCPenney catalogs. And I then agree. next thing you know, we're throwing Molotov cocktails. But you year. also have to recognize that in the, in the same analogy or, or representation that you're placing, the host is the corporation and the parasite is the worker. They and the host is very knowledgeable no, of I'm, that parasite. I'm doing there. the opposite. That, I'm just saying that that's how that stuff. Like I feel like that's how the host sees the the worker as the parasite, the helpful parasite, because it's just it's getting whatever it needs and stuff like that. But when you no, have that's the knowledge, livestock, bro. But they, I think, they look but at when it you like have livestock. that knowledge of it, and it's like okay, now this parasite is getting too big or too parasitic then they kill it off and they replace it with the robot or something well, like that. my analogy points more towards how the elites offer really nothing meaningful in the way of anything other than delegation um and planning things like that mm. they don't have really marketable fucking skills they just are in an imminent position to pull strings Man, on things i work with people every day that i'm like this this fascinates me although i like to keep the harder I call it a harder reality. The one that Kalu seems to articulate and illustrate a little bit without speaking too explicitly, but the one he, his perspective aligns with a little bit. Although I like to keep that reality at the front of my mind, it keeps me sharp, but I'm still the idealist in me. I'm just blown back at how the people that I have to answer to or work for, I do not know what they do. I yeah. do not know what they're. I have, they just had a big, I mean, it was in the news, a big bunch of separations mm -hmm. from my company and everyone was talking about it. It's really normal for my company, actually, mm -hmm. but people thought it was a big deal. But um, they got Separations, really so like downsizing? Yes. Okay. Yes. Rifts, layoffs. Yeah. And um, everyone thought it was a big deal, but I, I, they got rid of a lot of middle management. And I've been writing essays for the last two years on them. Like, I have a boss, a senior boss, a director, senior director, then I've got the whatever, CIO, senior vice president. I mean, uh, whatever, vice president. Mm -hmm. He just got promoted vice president. So it's like that kind of mess where you got a million. Yeah. And I don't think they do anything, man. I don't know what the heck they do. Yeah. And uh, I just found it fascinating how that can persist. And I wonder to to uh, Chris's point and to your, I just, I wish I could listen to you. I'll go back and forth more about it because I just, I just wonder where the, where the truth is in that perspective in that if 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 I'm the parasite and the corporation's the host, mm -hmm. then um, how does the corporation what did they do without me, the the uh I think they that the hosts the, the corporations the parasite, what what do they do? Like do you think that anything How does the worker harm owed, the corporation? Yeah. Do you think there's They're anything owed to 
the populace that works for a corporation at all? Do you think no. there's any consideration? I didn't think so. No. Okay, that's I what I was think trying to and, see if there's any. I don't think that they're harmed. I don't think that they're harming, but they have – it's just like a – you said that a parasite, a good parasite, will only do – will do just a little bit of damage here and there. The damage is just lost funds. That's well, all it is. But money paying towards benefits. That's more like towards that's more like livestock. That's more like having milk cattle. Like it, the the paradigm from from the corporate entity to the worker is the the worker is held, you know, hostage in captivity. Whatever you want to say, they're mm-hmm. they're bound to a context, and inherently they are exploited for their labor and. To Carlos's point, talking about after emancipation, the the proliferation and, and, and just overnight development of federal penitentiaries, they imprisoned – if you think about African-American slaves, they were the artisans. They were the creators of things. They were the skilled laborers. They were the musicians. They were the entertainers. What's left over? What's what's a thing that that white people aren't going to compete with black people with too much until Elvis came along? The musical element, the cultural element of it. That's that's one of the reasons why I do feel like people get a little bit up in arms about it because for hundreds of years, generation after generation, these skills that manifested themselves within this population were honed and focused and encouraged by slave owners and exploited. Mm-hmm. And then once that, those individuals became a liability because they were free and they could take those skills to the free market, they, by comparison, this entire new population of individuals that are the most skilled laborers on the planet could very well upend the entire thing. So mm-hmm. the prison industrial complex arguably was developed to constrain it was that the, shit. It was the exact same year. Yes. Yeah. If so, I'm not mistaken, it was so, the exact same year. Federal, enti- the first federal prisons were instituted. It was en- the year that I think, uh, whatever, emancipation or something. An entire generation of, at that time, what would constitute arguably the most skilled laborers on the goddamn planet were stripped of their personal efficacy, and we all know that that shit gets lost in one generation. Mm -hmm. It can take a dozen to get there, and it can get lost in one fucking generation. Mm -hmm. All your cultural identity, those skills, all that stuff, gone overnight. You take that, that paradigm, that same paradigm, and you have the corporate entity as the slave master, and then the workers... Again, more more in the slave paradigm, well kept slaves in mm-hmm. quotation marks, whatever. Um, that's not parasitism because the slaves don't harm the slave owner by him feeding them. They no. they he exploits every element of them to produce his bottom line. So really, the money that they receive is money they earned. And the money that their master receives is money that they also earned. So there's no parasitism really I think, there. I think we're talking about just a, just a difference of, of how we view the term. Because I guess, and maybe I'm jaded because I've worked with a lot of people in this job and previous jobs that are parasites to a company. They they just sit there and they do whatever they'll play on whatever you know and I, I take shifts for four that. hours and just I can agree with no, that no work put in yeah. and they're happily taking 
you know, getting no, money and stuff like I, that. I can agree with that very much on, on the micro level. That is a phenomenon that does transpire. But then I, will, I but also that- I also think that in this age where there are multiple ways of being able to get education and get you know, hone in on your skills, get better at your craft, learn something new. If you're not doing that and you're still staying in the same thing, then I do see you as a parasite. Well, and that's the thing is, by definition, a parasite is an organism that lives on a host Mm -hmm. and harms it. Yeah. That's otherwise. Because if you're not helping your company get better, then I think you're harming it. Otherwise, it's symbiosis. You know, sure. if there's a mutual kind of benefit there and then there's exploitation mm-hmm. and that's the thing on a macro scale. Yes, there are anecdotal situations, sure, sure. but by definition, we are not all of us, but we are utilized in our current system and our worth is gauged in terms of what we can afford that system. Mm. So the paradigm is inherently, how can I utilize, exploit this person as an object to facilitate this, to get this bottom line? So when we're talking about bosses and Mark's like, I don't really know what None of these motherfuckers do. It's kind of some Wizard of Oz shit. And the fact of the matter is, a lot of people don't need to be managed. And um, the better ones, like not the folks you're talking about, the parasites, the cast that come in there. But within a group, they you tend to work shit out without having a leader in that motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Like there might be like like my current supervisor, she is the least micromanaging human being on the planet. Mm-hmm. She gives you all the leeway in the world and she trusts you to do what you're fucking supposed to do. So there's no it's us and and we when we have an issue, we're like let's not even bring it to her. Yeah. Let's let's do it on our own and if we make the mistake, we make the mistake and let's fucking do it. And what we find out, we I feel like we've been we've we've been fed even the bullshit notion that a motherfucker has to have a manager, mm-hmm. that we have to have some kind of corporate overlord to ensure well, that we're doing what we're supposed to be doing. Well, yes, oversight makes sense. It's our yeah. systems. Yeah, we, we, you know, we're hierarchical creatures. We haven't got over that part of our biology yet. We're, we're you know, some sort of primate. But um, it's our systems. Our systems are predicated on very bad, unscalable notions that have to do with exploitation. That's why it inevitably ends up with you having four or five bosses who don't do shit because the commerce that we enjoy, the uh, the uh, capitalist system that we participate here in America was predicated off of somebody doing something for nothing. Mm-hmm. And it just has never been corrected. I'm not, uh, I'm not c- confused as to why they exist or how I end up with those, but I'm just so surprised sometimes how much it, how much it gets out of, like it gets, it runs away from us yeah. at times. You know, I'm like, man, they could really, and bottom line, we'll correct it. You'll see bottom line do it sometime. I'm like, I know they ain't getting rid of me. Yeah. Like, what would the fuck would they do? They won't even know how yeah. to do these 10 things. Yes. Uh, but there's also, there's still the, the reality that I should not be married to that, especially not emotionally. I shouldn't be putting everything into some corporation. It should be impersonal. Yeah. But, we are we are one organism, and when we have systems born out of intellectualism, born out of that left part of our brain, and we scale those systems, and those those systems at scale have a representation of that fragmentation, mm-hmm. that's why there's a hard to articulate fragmentation between 
people who feel entitled. They're wrong to feel that way, but the those who have the power or the capital or the wealth to correct that psychology are also wrong to think they're not obligated to do so. Here's why. Because mm, we're yes. one yeah. we're That's one good. organism. Yeah. You can go be a billionaire, but you're making a grave mistake if you don't understand that as a billionaire, you are one organism with me. I say it all the time yeah. on here. You can't know, ignore your pinky toe just because you don't need it for anything. And the funny thing that you that you said there, um, that I, I I'm sure you'll probably allude to it later on, is that one of the reasons why a lot of folks don't take on that responsibility of bettering your employees is because inevitably they'll realize their value and bounce the fuck out. Because this, the, I remember that when I worked at uh, when I worked at a previous job, once I got a certain certification, the first thing I did once I got that uh, certification is I started looking at who likes this certification. Where is the certification going to make me a lot more money? Uh-huh. And I left for a twenty thousand well, dollar raise. What, wow! You know what I mean? so. Well, well, let's let's use a more grotesque um, analogy. You guys work on your bodies a lot. You can really harm yourself if you went to the gym and only worked out one arm sure. for like a full year. You would literally get this one so strong yeah. that you could throw out something over here. Mm-hmm. Is that wrong or am I just making that up? I mean, you yeah, it, it's going to have implications yeah, yeah. for us. I mean, if you it seriously is. just did curls on your Sy- left symmetry, arm, nothing else. Symmetry matters. Yeah. yeah, and it got really strong. And then you went and punched something. Wouldn't, couldn't you hurt yourself? I don't know Yeah, if the body works that way. It may be a, a ruined attempt at an analogy. But I have to I say that human beings are that way. And here's why. Name me a billionaire, and and I'll name you someone who only accomplished that through the participation in a in a specifically human system. Now, name me a billionaire who did it in a vacuum, and that's a billionaire that doesn't know the humanity anything. Mm-hmm. I Go. can't think of any. They always depend on other human yeah. beings. Now, it doesn't matter how you abstract the system, yeah. whether you're selling silly phones to people and you're mm-hmm. smart enough to think of this phone. It doesn't matter what you're doing. You can't be a billionaire unless we all buy it. Yeah. Does that mean you owe me something? Not exactly. That doesn't mean that we're all suckers either. Mm. I'm, I'm a believer in the 85% rule. Like the 85% of the population is just chill. Yeah. They're okay being told what to do and having to think. And that, that's, you know, only every now and then will humans produce someone that's yeah. going to think authentically like that. But I don't know. We'll just have to see it play itself out. But I'm of the, of the belief that because we are a single, very fragmented organism, we have to do all we can to remember that we're a single organism. And it's hard for us to do that mm. um, sometimes. And we're the only creatures that can tri- psych ourselves out like that. But um, you ain't going nowhere without the human family. You're not going sure. to the moon. You're not going to Mars. You will become schizophrenic and you will not be human anymore. Yeah. If you isolate yourself with wealth that you uh, got through human sophisticated systems like our our commerce system Mm -hmm. then you also lose your humanity and i'm not just saying that romantically i mean you actually will lose your mind that's how uh dependent on each other we are but we just have a lot of ways of kind of tricking ourselves into thinking we don't that we're not i'm not trying to make it all philosophical no no but i wanted to keep i wanted you to keep unwrapping how you maintain that that disconnect um, because you speak in very practical terms about it, which I agree with. Yeah. But I want to know, like, to the full, to its full extent, like, how you, 
I don't know. How does that work itself out? We've talked about it a long time ago, and it's been a minute since it's been brought up, probably. But the only thing that I can think of that we can control, because, you know, we talk about personal efficacy, and the only person you can control is yourself. I think one of the most meaningful steps is to ingrain in people the notion that um, that they're capable of so many things, especially in the information age, like you're talking about getting on YouTube and learning how to do some shit, is instead of the the organic solidarity system where everybody has a specialized fucking role and it's very precarious, and if that person falls out of that system, it can throw everything out of whack. And you're very much dependent upon... You know, the butcher is dependent upon the physician, is dependent upon the mechanic, Mm -hmm. is dependent upon that. Well, shifting back more towards the way that things used to be as far as sustainability and personal efficacy is concerned, shifting back towards, and I'm not even going to say agrarian or anything like that, but more of a mechanical solidarity thing where it's gears Mm -hmm. interworking. If one of the gears fails, then it's not as though the other gears cease to exist or yeah. deteriorate. Mm-hmm. They're still there. Gears turn off of each other and work together in terms of that. And under mechanical solidarity, each individual has an a semi-expertise or some sort of proficiency with uh, agriculture, meat processing, cooking, canning, uh, basic maintenance of a vehicle, repair, um, uh, first aid across the board. You are supposed to be Renaissance men and women. If you're capable of doing so, that is one of the most valuable things, in my opinion, that, that you have control over as a person. And I feel like is a first step towards buffering yourself from this overreaching, like macro, um, exploitative system you can pimp the system you can make the system work for you Mm -hmm. if on your end you're doing things for yourself and not believing that everything that i do is contingent upon going to this person for this Mm -hmm. and it is it's it's the easy fix we we in the united states are addicted to immediate gratification Mm-hmm. Getting away from that immediate gratification shit, getting away from this constant stimulation shit, and getting away from this idea of we are defined by our role within the social system, our profession. Yeah. We, that Those things, defining yourself, if, if you define yourself by your role in the social system, you are inherently fucking up. You can't see the forest for the trees. Yep. It can be a big part of who you are. Like me being a social worker, it's a big part of who I am. But in order for me to address the things that I need to, the inequities in the system, I've recognized that I need to be a part of that system to do it. But don't act like I'm not here on my end understanding the logistics of like, you know, I'll go to the grocery store whenever chicken thighs or buy one, get one free and 88 cents a pound yeah, and yeah. buy fucking 30 pounds of chicken thighs and go stock my shit up. Yeah. You got to be calculated with this mm-hmm. shit. But you, can, you can do that. That's absolutely. something that we can control as individuals. So, something else I want to say, too, that that um, I could be way wrong. The, or, the organism that I speak about, the human family being that really large, sophisticated organism, like all organisms, it may be that certain inequities and suffering in the human as part of the human condition is necessary, like mm. clipping my toenails or cutting dead you're ends right. off of my hair. You're, yeah. you're right. It could be that too. I don't want to escape 
fairness in my own analogies. I just wanted to say that it could be that it's impossible because I, I wonder about the math sometimes. And I think we have now the capability to do that with all the cool data visualization mm -hmm. tools and things there are now. And I, I stay watching those kind of YouTube channels all the time yeah. where they're breaking yeah. down stuff and it's dope little mm -hmm. graphics explaining little curious things that you didn't know. And one thing I know, I want to know is I know for sure there's not enough money to split up evenly that won't work. There's too okay. many human beings. Like, you know what I mean? It ain't like if we balanced everything out in America, everybody would land it just south of middle class. Mm -hmm. Nah, it would be everybody would probably be somewhere way, way lower than that. I think it hashes out to everybody ends up about 90 grand yeah. a year. Yeah. No kidding. Yeah, there's there's oh a, that's good. Yeah, there's a whole lot of money. Yeah, Damn. yeah. If you were to distribute wealth evenly, yeah. every household would be about ninety grand. Good a year. grief. Well, that gives more credence to you know the romantic perspective I have that that we're kidding ourselves and but hurting at, ourselves. But that ninety it's, grand it's means worth, nothing when worth. the price of everything will just go up to balance it out because that's what would happen. Well, it's it, like oh, you got ninety grand. Well, gas just became what it actually should be per gallon. And it'll jump up to three, four dollars. So are you are you effectively saying that it's necessary for someone somewhere in the human family to suffer the ultimate that degree of suffering? In this for... in this in this economic system, yes. The only way it can survive is there has to be someone suffering. Okay. That's what that's well all right. and, and, and then I'm going to and I even read but, uh, uh, I read it begrudgingly, but it's called the rational optimist, mm -hmm. and he's. Um, I, I won't go into his political leanings, but if you all want to look it up, you you can investigate it as they objectively say as you. Optimist, that's probably conservative as fuck. It is, and <laughs> and he's. I, I think he's a member of the House of Lords. Yeah. The guy that wrote it. I'm in, doing my jack off the, motion right yeah, now. Yeah, the British House of Lords. Mm -hmm. So House he wrote this book. House of Lords. <laughs> And I, he wrote this book called The Rational Optimist, where he's espousing the belief that overpopulation isn't an issue and will never become an issue and that we're going to reach some kind of homeostatic state independent of some large cataclysmic event. And I think that that's pie in the sky fucking... Uh, Bullshit. Yeah, they, <laughs> they, they, they're, sorry. they're slipping us a fucking yeah. uh, ideological Xanax on that shit yeah. because... That's part of the thing that I have to fucking acknowledge, even as an idealist, even as somebody whose job it is to mitigate fucking suffering. Mm -hmm. I would be entirely remiss if I said that it makes sense from a biological standpoint for all of us to do well and be successful and have as many kids as we want, because as a species, we are not... This planet is not prepared for the amount of success and as quickly as we've succeeded because we all, most all of us represent apex predators. Yeah. Every fucking one of us. It's an unprecedented thing. And our consumption is representative of that as well. So if you're, if you were in a culture and you see a culture that's encouraging more and more and more consumption, yeah, it's up to you to kind of stop. Step back and be like, whoa, 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 whoa. What else are they gorging me on? Yeah. And let me tell you something, too, with that guy talking about, like, overpopulation and all that kind of stuff. Did you look him up? Well, no. I, I, I knew that I was going to say that I wish that he had gone, he would go to somewhere like Nigeria. You know, Nigeria <laughs> and is. get his ass beat. He, he would. But Nigeria has a population of just over 200 million people, right? 
over 180 million of that 200 is under the age of 30. Someone's Good fucking up. Also doing a lot of fucking. You know what I'm saying? Good like, grief. that is, that's a problem. He's a member of the House of Commons, excuse me. The House of Cumloads. Okay, it's all the same thing. But it's, that is a problem. There's, you, you can't be pie in the sky when you have a population of 200 million and 180 million are under 30. What is the problem? Huh? What is the problem? It's just education. It's just education and opportunity because what are you going to do? You throw some people in the area and there isn't shit to do. You're going to fuck. I mean, that, I mean that's, a, that's a human. Somebody I mean, going to do some fucking. Hey, what makes people happy? Fucking. Like, fucking, yeah. When well, there's no money, get that, you know, like. India has cheeks. more people under the age of six than we have in all of Holy crap. Is it really? Yeah. So yeah. what else are you gonna do? That's a statistic from about ten years ago. When, but, uh, it's mean. when there's no when there's no <laughs> we, methods we of birth for. control and, and all the other stuff, you cannot think of. Yeah, and they're coming. Yeah, <laughs> literally, yeah, because, literally. Because, yes, <laughs> they're coming. Yeah, and in, in the age <laughs> the age of like uh, physical <laughs> competition <laughs> is behind <laughs> us too. For real, yeah. physical yeah. competition really ain't no thing. Like you mm-hmm. can be a goddamn Adonis and. Uh, Homeboy that's super savvy at writing code is going to pull your bitch. Yeah, he sure will. Here I go again. (laughs) But I see it all the time where just like a mediocre dude, it's just, it's expected that he's in these certain positions. Everyone doesn't, no one's like asking, well, people are starting to ask. Mm -hmm. It's happening a lot. We're looking around like, okay, what is he doing there? Like, we don't need him at all. Yeah. The this kind of leader or the project leader or the program manager is the same dude. He looks Mm -hmm. just like that dude at Best Buy. He looks just like the dude that's hiring people at the corporate job. They all look the same. And that's not enough. Because guess what? I'll do that on the side while I innovate and while I outwork everybody Mm -hmm. and while I got, you know, a whole nother perspective on. And that's interesting to me. I tend to like it. I like the way things are going. (laughs) But I'm evil like that. No, You know what I'm getting at? Yeah, I'm totally, I, I think that it's a problem, but it's just like, I know that there are solutions to it. We just have to want it bad enough. We just have to want when, when that, and I'm doing my air quotes problem, when a problem nation starts to make you feel uncomfortable, Mm -hmm. then you'll Mm -hmm. do something about it. Yeah. And that's the problem. We're getting exactly what the fuck we deserve. Yes. Because whenever, whenever you start seeing that major influx of Nigeria, no one's saying, get them Nigerians out of here. Yeah. You better I would say, watch it. Yeah. Bryce has yeah. been. Yeah. Bryce has been very outspoken about y'all. <laughs> until, until I got my ancestry results here recently. <laughs> oh, yeah. And it changed <laughs> from Benin to Tokyo. Yeah, so now Listen, like, okay. black people, let me tell you right now 97% of you are Nigerian. I'm just yeah. going to tell you right that. Yeah, right now. I, think, I think I was. I think I was ninety seven percent West African. Just going, and, and, yeah. and the other percent was exactly who conquered our asses. Yeah, yeah. Was the people that that enslaved Nigeria. My as long as Nigerians keep Liberia, doing this, oh, I'm, Senegal. I'm, I'm, as wow. Long, as long as that's what Nigeria is representing, uh, <laughs> then then I'm pro Nigerian. And uh, mm-hmm. I, I was showing the those for, are for some. The did you bring yeah. my plates? I, I was oh them. shit! It's at the house. You raggedy bitch! You left your charger and my plate. Yeah, I know. I bet there's some good ass Nigerian it, stuff it's on good. there. It's good. It is good. I'll you got some jollof rice? Yep. Yep. Two different kinds. One that was made with uh, cream of coconut. You, mil- fil- you yeah. filthy bitch. And then one that was like really spicy. Yeah. You ain't talk- some You ain't talked to OC. Yeah. No. <laughs> Yeah, no. you, you ain't seen OC yet. No, I haven't well, seen him. Well, he acted like time. y'all was big homies and he's over at your crib all the time. Oh, we call him K Boy. <laughs> that was my nickname from way way back when I was a kid. Well, it still is. I know. I know. <laughs> but 
to going back to what we're saying, I still I think that all all that we're saying, and it it seems to confirm what I'm what I've it seems to echo what I've been saying is that a lot of the problems that we're talking about will continue to happen until we're ready to actually be uncomfortable. Like it's just right now we, we have the, the rulers or the ruling class that are comfortable and we have people that want to be comfortable. So they'll take anything that'll be given to them to keep them Mm -hmm. to where they can go to keep them satiated where they can buy their, you know, buy some cigarettes, buy I'm, I can say in some days that I'm comfortable because I can go and, you know, do, I can take care of different things here and there. You know what I'm saying? And now I'm at a point where I can take care of people. And I think I, well, no, I said it in the episode I did with JP was that I've hit this new mindset where I want to make more money so I can help more people out. And I was saying that this holiday season, what my wife and I are doing is that we're talking to our different friends and just being like, hey, is there a bill that I can help with? Is there something? And that's what we're spending our Christmas, I'm doing air quotes, our Christmas money on, is just taking care of people and making this. I got some bills for y'all. I'm not paying any of your bills, Mark. <laughs> I am, I don't I don't yeah. want to touch your mortgage, dude. <laughs> That'll make me cry. But yeah, I just, like, that's the kind of stuff that, uh, that I want to do. That's where my motivation to be better, to earn more certifications and all that kind of stuff. And, and I feel like if I do more to help put more people on, they're going to do the same. And it's going to get into that, that same kind of mentality where I'm saying that we can beat the affordable housing thing. If we're able to get over ourselves and just like, Hey, two families go squat up in a spot well, and let's work together. I, and, and I, my, my takeaway is that that, kind of mindset can work alongside a objective inventory that we kind of take the reason for me bringing up the spadat test measure of at riskness if we are able to not even spadat that shit but but take objective inventory as objective as possible of uh, how the deck is stacked against somebody and assess those things as well. Because, again, that's something I have to do professionally every day. I think those two things can work alongside one another. Mm-hmm. I, Whenever I'm interacting with a client, do you think I feel fucking sorry for people? Yeah. Because yeah, I don't. You don't. I don't feel sorry because sympathy does nothing for them. Yeah. I, I I look to them. I'm... I'm inspired by them because I'm like, you got to be a bad motherfucker mm-hmm. to be able to live on the streets and and you know keep your belly full and stay relatively cognizant and healthy, even especially when you've got a diagnosis and yeah. all this shit. You have got to be a rugged bad motherfucker, and mm-hmm. in many ways, I'm so inspired and impressed by these people. And then I got a cat in Bowling Green that makes uh, we'll say I, a motherfucking between a half a million to a million dollars a year, we'll say, mm-hmm. and uh, does Ironman triathlons, and and his back, his uh, frame on his profile picture says, "I stand for the flag," and he's riding a goddamn one of those bikes and has one of those aerodynamic helmets on it. Who do you think I think is more impressive? Definitely not that dumb motherfucker. <laughs> I think it's more impressive that a cat has lived out on the streets, yeah. comes off of the streets, and is still a decent fucking human being that appreciates every iota of what what I have helped them with. Yeah. So I think that 
I use empowerment. I use facilitation, and I'm never a crutch. And I don't let people use how the deck was stacked against them as an excuse. Yeah. But we have to acknowledge it, and we have to factor it in. Mm-hmm. And other, otherwise, again, now if we all, as a species, we all agree, like, yo, this is we about to turn this whole motherfucker into the Wild West. Mm-hmm. Hey. It's whatever. If, if that's how the paradigm is, then we shift according to the paradigm. Sure. But as it stands right now, I'm not ready to give up, and I'm not ready to throw my hands up and say, like, you know, these people aren't salvageable. These people, you know, if 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 I can't feed myself, I can't worry about feeding somebody else. But as it stands right now, you and I, we got more than we need, yeah. so we give back. We give back absolutely. So facilitate. Others, I think, is where you and I converge on this. The Mm -hmm. most important thing that you can do, aside from bolstering your own personal efficacy, is facilitate another individual, Mm -hmm. especially a young individual. Yeah. Yeah. But is there anything that we can do to make those that are hoarding this wealth be as virtuous as those that don't even have a fraction of what they have. Well, I, I, historically, we've had to uh, run them up to the guillotine and shit. I yeah, mean, that's that, what's there's, happened. There's yeah. easy ways to correct it. I, mean, I think education alone will, it's education. Will, correct, will correct it. We just haven't. I don't know. We haven't given that a try yet, and we haven't sublimated anything like that into our culture. Well, and, and check this out. Like anything it, that's reflection. There, there, there's very much a push for laborers. The culture of laborers, like, don't feel like you got to go get a college degree in, like, a liberal arts or something. Get, learn a trade. Learn a trade. Well, you know what? Like, on the, on a top end, yes, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying don't learn a trade, yeah. but learn a trade and get that book learning. Get yeah. that mind-expanding book learning because you make yourself as marketable and as versatile as possible. Yes. Based on Get the situation, your, but yes. but what they do with the critical thinkers, with the people that have been imbued with the burden of knowing, mm-hmm. is that they bury those motherfuckers over an insurmountable mound of debt, of debt. for the most yeah. part. And mm-hmm. let me tell you, as somebody who went from college debt to not having college debt, mm-hmm. it has a profound impact on you. It's like static on the TV running just subtly in the back of your yeah. head at all times, knowing that this shit's lingering over your head. And once it's gone, man, the weight that's lifted off of it. So that's a deliberate constraint that has mm-hmm. been placed on a subset of our society, our young people, our our people with the greatest potential to turn this shit on its head mm-hmm. have, have been hamstringed yeah. with predatory debt, basically. Mm-hmm. So... That's another element to this shit that sure, we have sure. to fucking acknowledge as well. It's is like that- to me, it's like a. It's very hard to think of the the right analogy. It's like a, a pyramid, an upside down pyramid or something. The 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 amount of luck and rare human ingenuity it takes to create some super wealthy billionaire, or whatever, is like one percent. Mm-hmm. It, it happens like one in a thousand times or something like that. But the 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 amount of oppression they can create once they're in that comfortable position mm-hmm. is like you know yeah. a thousand times mm-hmm. greater. That's mm-hmm. the problem. You're not gonna get a lot of those one percent people, but they can do way more damage mm-hmm. if they're not careful. So when you get to that comfortable situation, you have to understand how the way you think and what 
actions you take, if they're not serving the rest of the human body mm. in some decent proportion, then the amount of damage you can do is way, way greater than, yeah. you know what I mean, than what, your, than what you have. Your own privilege. ingenuity, your own success, your own proliferation, and nature has shown us this with di- numerous species, can ultimately be the thing that leads to your fucking demise. Sure, sure. Yeah. You, you're... you're s- Something that's such a good predator. You introduce a predator to an ecosystem. That predator annihilates everything in that ecosystem. The ecosystem collapses, and then ultimately the the predator dies. Okay, let me let me close off with a question for all of you guys. Um, to put us, I think we've it's, I think a lot we've established that the predators at the top you are the ones that have the the crazy amounts of money. Correct. Is that okay? I don't if, call them predators. Yeah, okay, but you know what I'm yeah, saying. I, mean, if, if I we do. Were, I call them the predator class. The, but the, the people, I'm a little jaded about the, shit. The people with the, the ability to do the most damage mm-hmm. or good are up at the yes. very top. If let's let's put us all on a level playing field as those people. I'm just gonna say because the the chance of these happening could happen in a, like a winning a lottery ticket, five hundred million dollars. What would you do with your five hundred million? Start with you, Chris. If I was immediately to yes. be thrust into that, yeah, um, break it into percentages if you if if that's okay. Okay, well, what I would do is uh, I definitely would have some property here okay. in the United States, and I would have some property at another calculated location around the globe, mm-hmm. and try to get citizenship. Get citizenship, you know. I got five hundred million dollars. Yeah. They gonna make me a motherfucking citizen. Yeah. So I'm gonna do that shit, and then, um, you know, I'm telling you, investing in precious metals to mm-hmm. a degree, and I know this sound like some mundane ass shit, but investing in precious metals and not having because if even if you've got five hundred million dollars, mm-hmm. I don't think that I don't think five hundred million is gonna insulate you from collapse. I think that five hundred just dissipates. I don't think sure I don't think five hundred million dollars now in the eighties that was cap. Is that is that too much then? Is that no, too no, much no, 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 it's okay. good. Okay. It's good. It's so little. And okay. it's, and okay. it's making me it, okay. Yeah, it, okay. it is so That's little. what I was thinking. It yeah. sounds like a lot, but but in the 1980s, yeah, it constituted capital. Yeah. It gave you some swing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 500 now, million, you better be very careful. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got you got to be careful because like a Elon Musk lost more than that yep. in a matter of fucking hours. Mm-hmm. So what I would do with that is first and foremost create a modest contingency plan for myself that's yeah. more based upon locale than it is upon actual facility probably have part of it underground whatever Mm -hmm. so we'll say about 20 percent of that 500 million is going to go towards ensuring my own well-being okay the rest of it i would use i would no not to look 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 look. (laughs) that 20 is practical I'm going to say I'm going to be irresponsible with 10%. I'm going to give myself 10% and be irresponsible as fuck with it. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do my thing with 10%. So that's 30%. The remaining 70% is going to go towards um, facilitation of young minds. Sure. However that may be, if it means me being – I'm going to continue to be a social worker. 
Yeah. I'm going to be a social worker because I know what's up and I can identify the issues. And I'm like, oh, yo, the main impediment for this family doing well is um, transportation. Done. Yeah. yeah. Take care of it. It's took care of. Um, if the main impediment for this family is access to um, or a community like a food desert, things like that, the main impediment is that set up shop there Mm -hmm. again when you have that much you have enough leeway especially in the you know an area where somebody has untapped fucking potential Mm -hmm. and you can reach in there and maybe influence them because the beautiful thing about subjugated groups of people is that the brainwashing that they've received isn't in terms of necessarily entitlement or something like that it's more in terms of uh their position in relation to the greater social structure like i'm talking about low ses folks low low ses whites low ses blacks hispanics everybody else so if you can reach out to them folks um and, and appeal to their sensibilities on a meaningful way and facilitate them in a meaningful way Especially the black community. The black community could be one of the most powerful forces in the fucking United States. What the African Americans make up about seventeen percent of the population. Yeah, it's about that. That's the highest number I've heard in a long time. I yeah. think it's around seventeen. Seventeen percent of the population, I but hope so. but goddamn represent a gene pool of individuals with that's written into their DNA to do some of the most amazing fucking things on the planet. Mm-hmm. Some of the most amazing things on the planet. So the very entity that is trying to stifle their proliferation and has been since emancipation. And again, I don't want to make it about black people. I don't want to make it about, I do. I know you do. And, and I, <laughs> and, and I love black folks and I want to facilitate black folks as much as possible, but I, it's more about SES to me. Mm-hmm. It's more about because I want to facilitate them little redneck babies too that don't know no motherfucking better. Those kids, and those redneck babies who are told to shut up because they're white. Right. They're I, told. I they're told them. to shut the fuck up because they're white. And again, that remaining seventy percent, I can't really put my fucking finger on exactly the logistics of it. You know, it's on the spot. But I'd like to say thirty percent goes to me, seventy percent goes to me putting it to work. And okay. and that don't mean investing it. Mm-hmm. It don't mean investing it. Because again, I, I feel like I've already, I've already won, man. Yeah. Like twenty percent for housing, ten mm-hmm. percent for whatever. Live the rest of my life easy. Yeah. On that amount of money. So right. yeah. What about you? What about you, Juice? I I think, I think I agree with a lot of what Chris said, but I think I do invest some. I think I invest enough that it is self-sustaining for future generations of my line, mm-hmm. um, so that my kids. Um, have something for their kids and their kids. <laughs> what percent? Uh, I don't know. If five hundred million, we'll say ten percent. Okay. If ten percent, I can invest so that it just, even if it's just capitalized interest over mm-hmm. the course of time, then that's perfectly fine. Um, I also, um, you know, want to bounce around, see the world, um, do some studying in different cultures and things like that, and then probably. Seventy-five percent. Um, I'm gonna just let Mark Twain design some of the experiments <laughs> to wipe out. Well, I want to see. Oh, I like where I this is going to wipe, on a out, small wipe scale out. 
because he's had some great theories that he's presented on the podcast. Continue. I want to see if he can take one <laughs> like of these small scale like town community situations and isolate it from outside Absolutely. influence Absolutely. and see what happens yeah. Yeah. if unchecked you just alley oop to what yeah, everybody knows it's, it's, it's like a double alley oop for <laughs> me so yeah it was off the backboard uh, yeah. but but yeah. seriously i would love to see in practice what his theory would yield but yeah. you know from a practical standpoint um with what i can see and what i can touch i do invest in my community and kids that grew up like me and whose parents didn't know any better and couldn't teach them any better. Let me provide opportunities for you to know better and you to do better so that we can all in this community build and also try and instill upon you the same sense of virtue to spread out just a little bit. And let's keep doing this same thing until we grow a community of educated, empowered people who know that at the end of the day, it's about other people. Sure. What about you? Thank you so much, Juicy. (laughs) 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 Couldn't have have set it up better. No, I would do just that. Probably everyone saw that coming, but I I would, you know, put away maybe 50% of it so it could collect interest or whatever, so I wouldn't go broke. But I'm going as close to the equator as I can, Mm. and I'm starting a school. Yeah. I'm starting a school, and school's going to be in a community, Community is going to be as efficient and technology advanced as I can make it. I don't care if it, I'll do the numbers to find out what I can afford. Mark's to making sustain. Wakanda. That's so, nice. well, I just <laughs> <laughs> Wakanda forever. Well, I hadn't thought about that. That's, that's way way in the future. I just meant we need legit, more money. We all have to team up. If we're going to do that. houses that are half burned. Yeah, half the rest is solar panel as close to the equator as possible because I think it affects the minds of African people if we're not in the correct spectrum of light. I think we think better. I think it's better for us anti-depression and stuff. Yeah. And I would try to grow a community. That's all I'll try to do. Well, yeah. However much that the money will afford me, let's say it takes $200 million of it mm-hmm. to sustain itself for a year, you know, because nothing but it's going to be a cost at first. Yeah. But I'm trying to produce the individual that will come back to the community yes. and reinvest with the not. And I mean, as rudimentary as we got to do mm-hmm. it. I mean, if, if the only thing we teach in the high school that I build is agriculture for mm-hmm. the first five or six years, then that's just what we got to do. But I'm not teaching anything that, that you're just going to go out and make someone else yes. rich and not come back. So I'm going to like run an experiment yes. and pretend the trauma didn't happen and just kind of go step for step. It probably takes a way more money than that. Yeah. It's it probably would. close to yeah. 500 billion, but let's say uh, some of the greatest schools have been started from some sure. school, some ladies um, living room or something, mm-hmm. whatever the ratio is, you know what I yes. mean? If That's I can, where our mind's going. Yeah. If what, I don't know what it is. Yeah. 500 million is not a lot of money, but whatever that ratio is, I know you can build an elementary school like, uh, Parker Bennett Curry for five million. Yeah, that building wasn't nothing but five million. I know the building's not. Yeah, the cost buildings. A lot, but to get a one off the off the uh, radar teachers, to get all the people whose teachings and followings like mm-hmm. to get them there and get their input and create a whole new paradigm right here on on this solar panel powered school. You know what I mean? We're not going to waste anything. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? The grass is going to be yeah. something that, you know what I mean? That re- that recycles sure. or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's the kind of experiment I would run if I had that kind of question. And I'd so, be living there because so, my, my, I do what I love for a living. So I would still be leveraging technology to help people and to do fly shit. 
I would live right there. I'd live the rest of my yeah, life there yeah. on the campus. I would. My thing that I would do is I would take 15% mm-hmm. for my me and my family, whatever the fuck they want to do. I don't care. Yeah. It's just money, and yeah. we can die tomorrow. Oh, yeah. That, that's so, included, by the way. I'm sure everyone yeah, 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 knows yeah. that. I'm paying off all of my friends' school yeah, yeah, and all yeah. that stuff. You know? Like, and then no, the, 80, fuck y'all. <laughs> the 85%, I would open a school in, in Bowling Green, Kentucky, right here. Good place and, to do it. Um, but I would have... I would say probably five, six people from from different countries. Mm-hmm. I'd I'd have a list of countries, mm-hmm. and I just have five or six kids. I don't care what the, what their SES is, and they're going to be taught by some of the best and brightest. Mm. And their goal is to go back to your country and crush somehow, mm. or you can stay here. I don't care what you do, but a percentage of your income, whatever it may may be, is going to go back to the school, mm-hmm. and I'm going to build from that, and then. That that ten or whatever number from each of these countries is going to turn into more, and it's going to turn to more, yeah. and it's going to turn to more. But I'm not going to make the school any bigger. I'm going to keep it exactly you know what it is. It's going to have, and I'm going to over time just build a bunch of people to go and just kick a bunch of ass wherever. Okay. Wherever that they are, and okay. if they want to open their own school, if they want to do something like that, that's what I would do. That, mm. that and that's it. Because yeah. I don't, I don't want. I'm too much of a control freak to have a lot of control like that. Okay. Where I would have to say it has to be in the equator. It has to be because I'll just make it a bad time for everyone. The the, the only thing that I want mm-hmm. is that it's in Bowling Green. Yep, and it's going to be. For I'm going to have the best teachers, and those teachers are going to be held to a higher standard than the students are, way higher standard. Oh, yeah. Like they're supposed to be getting. I want these teachers to be continuously getting certifications, in, yeah. in my whatever te- my their teachers field is. Very study. similar. My teachers don't play rent. Either. Yeah, I want teachers that are they don't students. Do anything but teach. Yes. the teachers I have and the school's uh, eight sided pyramid. Huh? <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, and, and I think the common th- said that's, that's cool. The common theme with all of it, like- it, it seems to be, is mitigating outside forces yes. that are stifling opportunity. Yeah, because I be- think education is the problem. Oh well, and that's, I, that's now. By the way, I think I'm gonna get Waco, but I'm gonna give it a shot. Oh yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I'm gonna say in in my school, like one of the things you're going to learn everything at a much earlier age. I want these kids yeah. there. I think at, yours will work. At an I think we like, can do yours. I want them there at like age five. Mine like, is we're talking be a like clear. Fuck you. Yeah. To somebody and some so somebody's gonna show up. I mean, up. like I think that's they're dual. gonna they're gonna learn your code. Saying, There's gonna be weapons training. There's yeah. gonna be all kinds of shit that they're gonna know how to do. Yeah. Because these guys are going to be prepared. You're gonna know how to you know write code and do all this other stuff, but you're gonna know survival skills. Tyler Young will probably be one of the teachers there or something like that. Do you that. have like throwing star class and shit? I mean, there's going to be combatives and all that kind of stuff in there. Like we're creating <laughs> like superhumans is well, what I'm calling and, them. And there's the, going to be empathy. There's going to be all sorts of stuff. Like it's going to be hardcore. The beautiful thing, and I think we've come full circle now, and this is kind of wraps it up. Like I said, I think the common theme with all four of us is fostering greater opportunity. Yes. Right? Yeah. Well, the psych. Psychological definition, according to clinical psychology, whatever, um, is for for eminence to mm-hmm. reach eminence. The formula is um, aptitude, ability, whatever you want to call it, desire, or motivation, and opportunity. Mm. So the fact 
that in the land of opportunity, so to speak, the issue that all four of us, without any kind of arbitrary consensus, all fucking addressed, and the conclusion we all came to that was the issue is the opportunity thing, Mm -hmm. I think it's very telling. I think it's very telling for our social climate that it doesn't seem as though our young people don't have the ability or don't have the desire. It seems like their opportunity has been stifled more than anything. Mm -hmm. And opportunity has an impact on ability and desire. And Mm -hmm. not just opportunities to succeed, but opportunities to fail. Because we are a very coddled society. Mm Mm-hmm. But but coddled in a, a divisive sense. Yes. In a, no, you're right. It's like a friend. Our government is like a friend that enables us to make bad decisions. Yeah. But the, it, like it, it's I'm like building on to what you said with the fact that I take, why should I take pride in failing? Why should I use that as a, as a leg up on someone because I've had shit happen? You know what I'm saying? Like that shouldn't be a thing. And the fact that we... That I'm sitting here saying that people need to be taught how to fail is a problem in itself. Like, it's okay to not, like, if you've just not had any failure in your life, then goddamn, you're lucky as fuck. Well, and that, and also failure, failure without fear of disappointment. There you go. That's a Maybe thing that's- because that's a manipulative fucking element. Mm. Whenever you have a teacher that, Failure towards some sort of endeavor, specifically towards an endeavor. I'm not talking about you got a mentor and you trying to be a great martial artist and you Mm -hmm. end up smoking some crack rock. I'm not saying that. I'm saying like if you fail along the path of what you're doing and any part of that is steeped in fear that this person is going to be disappointed in you. It's the same principle to a degree, I feel like, whenever a little kid falls down. And scrapes their knee or bumps their head or something. They'll look to the nearest motherfucking adult. And if that adult's like, oh, are you okay? That kid's going to be like, ah. But I found (laughs) if when that kid looks to you, you're like, oh, knocked your damn head off, didn't you? Yeah. No kind of fucking reaction. And we need to foster that. We need to not have this hysteric like, oh my God. And and really, that's not empathy. That's not training people in a, a meaningful fucking way to be mm. like, oh, you deserve this sympathy right mm. now because you had a boo-boo. Yeah. No, that pain that you just received, it's not a detriment to your health. It's a, no. char- it's a character builder. And I yeah. need to be happy that you got out the other end of it. And you're none, no worse for wear. I think yeah. we need to learn to appreciate we're that. We're bringing back rites of passage at my school. Be, <laughs> it won't be filmed. Yeah. You won't know what happened, but if you went there, you'll have the story to tell. <laughs> you'll, you'll walk at the graduation. Every kid is bruised up and shit yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> there's just... going to be a certain age where you lose your last name. If you have a government last yeah. name, you choose your, your new name. You choose you, when you graduate, you, you get, choose your new name. Yeah. Ooh, get, I love put, it, dude. Through some things. Too. I love it. Just for the, just to switch. Yeah. yeah, I'm dealing with broken stock here. I'm dealing with yeah. people that's very broke. If, if, if they come from America, mm. you know, if we get people from somewhere else, they may not have some of that. Yeah, but we, there's something in us that's broken, like mm-hmm. that worked really well. And I don't know when I'm going to encounter that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, Le- 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 LeBron James. <laughs> you know what I mean? Big, Le- big, yeah. I like it. Yeah, y'all. I like sweetheart. It. <laughs> if, if anybody's confused about what he's saying, just listen to DNA by Kendrick Lamar. It very much encapsulates a lot <laughs> yes. of this. 
Yes. You know, it's funny. I I was driving the other day and uh, I saw like, I'm just going to call her Becky. We all know what Becky looks like, right? But she was in the car just going, tell me something. You motherfuckers can't tell me nothing. I was just like, (laughs) Becky, really? She was That's where we are. She, she was, was feeling it. Feeling. She was feeling it. I bet she was just unapologetically yeah, farting in her car and everything. Like going in, man. Uh, uh, I was like, all right, all right, Becky, do your thing. But uh, all right, that was, th- guys, this is a good episode. This was a good episode. I, I, I needed this one. I almost want to write some more about this. I do. Uh, huh? I I, want, well, I want to draw a diagram of my school now. Huh? Yeah. Of, yeah. Of, the, of the whole town. The perfect school. <laughs> well, we'll put that, we'll put that the in, in, in our book. Yeah. Around the communities is a military installation. Around that's a in, in industrial, you know. At the, the heart part. of it all is a yeah. school. Yeah, that's school. beautiful. The school's at the heart of it all. Um, that's what we need right now. Yeah. Maybe in another time it won't be. But we got right now we got to correct some stuff. So Ooh, school, yeah, I like that. Right at 2020, the 2020, let's start on our book. Huh? Yeah, hell yeah. Oh, man, we got hell a book yeah. in us. Easy. Yeah. Easy, easy, easy. Yeah. I think so. All right. Do we have any shameless shout outs? Well, Juicy, I just we'll want, start with you. I just, quick. Well, I just want to oh, thank okay. Juicy we'll for coming yes, on I to the program, man. I know that uh, we've only had you on once time. Once Look prior, at his face. And, he, <laughs> and he's mad about it. Bryce but, has only been on once? One, yeah, yeah, he's during he Black History Month. And I've been jogging oh. him for so long. Like, what do I got to do? He cracked a funny ass joke so much. You referenced so much, I thought you'd been on more than one of them. No, yeah. I'm just like the original Saloopy. I've been down. <laughs> I've been down since day one. Chris was telling me about the Salumas podcast before it had actually materialized. He had said, "You know, Kalu is super excited. He's got the capital. This is going to be something great. It's going to jump off." And I thought I was like, you were I'm the other guy on the original thing no of the, i thought he was the other dude that's awesome <laughs> on the also, picture uh, yeah. yeah you never met brandon have you oh it's brandon no i've met brandon yeah yeah oh so, it's Bra- i didn't yeah, know so who it was yeah oh y'all look alike to mark right yeah <laughs> so so i've been down since day one i mean i'm an avid listener follower i mean i support these guys but for some reason they won't put me on Oh and my God! You're on now. You're on CJ, now. You've been on twice. Well, you know, has he been on twice? It's ridiculous. Uh, yeah. You know, all you have to do is be here on Sunday. Right? <laughs> you really just yeah, yeah. <laughs> all you have to do is just show you know, up on you Sunday. Know, you know, I've only been invited once, right? Right. I've just been like, but time now time he's part of the show. show. <laughs> I've been parking outside, so don't don't think it's a thing. Trust me, I have no idea when they're gonna kick me out. <laughs> I just but, been showing up. No, speaking of no. original Salumist, uh, I'm kind of disappointed y'all didn't give a shout out to Brandon Waller. I was up late the other evening, and uh, <laughs> Time Life Classic Soul Ballads uh, has been <laughs> re-released, and this time they've got a. Uh, Brandon Waller, the original Butler County bad boy on there. Oh, my God. With his single green-eyed screaming, which Chris Chris has referenced on the Salinas podcast on more than one I was so happy for Brandon. He didn't make the first cut, and there's no reason why. He's a Lenny Williams-esque talent, uh, and he's got green eyes, for crying out loud. And he can do the Chinese split. He can. (laughs) He can. But uh, uh, I had one of the listeners uh, that had reviewed it, uh, and I'm using Kalu's air quotes here, had said, uh, after a rough time in my life, uh, listening to the soothing sounds of Brandon Waller had me... uh, Hollering for a wallerin. <laughs> oh, I love the, it. Uh, 
I love it. What are you guys person, talking about? That person's name is Waller. Brandon from here? Yeah. So that person only identified themselves as Sarah Huckabee S. So, um, Sarah Huckabee. I don't know if you... Fuck her, by the way. <laughs> She's hollering for a Waller. So shout she out, looks like Brandon. A Do your thing in Indiana. Uh, you're missed here. Your green eyes. Oh. It's the stuff that dreams are made of, I'm sure. Um, I also want to give a shout out to my family Right now I'm in a process of switching careers From human resources to nursing Uh, Both my parents were nurses Uh, I just never thought about nursing I'm a first generation college student So listening to y'all's podcast And just introspection has led me to I don't want to just be part of the corporate machine I want to do something that's meaningful to people So I've been working five jobs Grinding seven days a week I got accepted into the registered nursing program at Scott yeah, 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 yeah. So January. My wife says that one is brutal. I'm, I'm, they, she I'm, says that there's some hardcore motherfuckers I'm in there. I'm hype about it, though, because I haven't had a challenge of that magnitude in a yeah. long time. So I'm hungry to see if I apply myself, what mm. that's going to end up like and what that is going to mean in other people's lives. Yeah, so, yeah. But my family... With the little time that they see me when I'm working 70 days a week, my son Tavion has been cooking dinner, throwing down all the time to lighten my load there. My wife has had my back. My daughter leaves random stuffed animals in my bed for me so that I can cuddle with something when everybody's working and at school during the yeah, day and I'm yeah. getting home after a long night and going to sleep. So shout out to all of you. That's what's I love up. you very much. And uh, I appreciate y'all letting me come on the podcast. I will be camping out in the front yard. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> intermittently going forward. That's awesome. Mark, you got any shameless shout-outs? Um, I don't think I have any this time. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the day that you do have one. It's going to be this like huge, long well, list I of don't people. Know. I, think, I, I feel like I should have some. I, I need to put more thought into that. But uh, I don't think I have any on the top of my head right now. All right. So. What about you, Chris? Uh, shameless shout-out to Tyler Young, who just, who just got done competing in India. I, he tied for second, I believe. Yeah. No, Lo- third. Was it? T- tied for third? Yeah, I think it was And third. lost the count back, so mm-hmm. he didn't get to hit the podium. Yeah. But still, it was, a, it was a ferocious field of individuals. I think there was 16 cats out there. So tying for third. When you had every fucking callus on your hand ripped, ripped off. off. Look, bro, I don't know if it was the humidity in India or what, yeah. but like that frame carry, I think, is what got him. And it really wasn't that much weight, but it tore every callus off that motherfucker's yeah, hand. Yeah. So he was yeah. mit- Mittens McGee for yeah. the rest of the time he was doing it. But You know uh, what he needs? What? Queen Helene Cocoa Butter. Mm. It's the most moisturizing cocoa butter that ever existed. There needs to be some music to in pop the black up right community. There. Queen, Queen Helene. Are you looking it up, Mark? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> I was like, Mark's looking Mark is that. furiously Googling He's cocoa like, butter no, brand. I'm still, still, looking, cocoa I'm still looking at that same lady. <laughs> <laughs> this is the same Nigerian yeah, chick with the yams. the only reason I use Instagram. Instagram. Cakes, cakes, Nigerians cakes. with yams. Hell yeah. yeah. Um, I have to give a shameless shout out to, actually, to all of our listeners. We broke 10,000, so that was fucking awesome. Yeah. It was like 10.1K. I was pretty excited about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you guys and all your support. I know we don't really get on like Instagram and all the other stuff that much, but it's just cool to know that people are just listening. And as I start to look at the the numbers in terms of you know, the listens per episode, it's starting to go up. And I think that... I knew that 
no one was really going to pay much attention to us for like the first two years at, at in the way that I kind of envisioned us going as being a lot more grassroots and being very just like having just raw conversations and talking about shit that people don't like to talk about. And what I see is happening is that I feel like we're having conversations that people probably have internally or they have in closed doors and we're making it comfortable to have discussions like this. I'm, I'm excited for when Tyler comes back so we can talk about uh, part two of The Greatest Lie Ever Told. And if you guys haven't heard th that episode, please listen to it. We start to talk about um, the maps of migration for, for humans out of Africa. And we talk about a lot of the... The, our theories on why some of the races, and I'm doing my air quotes when I say that, races are the way that they are, and, and uh, just sort of documenting all kinds of different things uh, with with how migration has affected people in different areas, and so uh, it's a really good conversation. I hope you guys take time to listen to that one, uh, and then any other episode that we have uh, that we have done in the past, please listen to any of those. I think that what's also happening is what I also envisioned is that this is to serve to me more than anyone as like a encyclopedia, if you will. When, when there's something that I'm thinking about, I like to go back and listen to an episode and figure out where my mind was when I was listening or when I was talking on that episode. And it's really helped towards my growth. And for those of you listening, I hope that the things that we've said is aided in part of your growth and your understanding and makes you want to question things too. So um, hit us up on Instagram at the Salumas podcast. Uh, hit us up on Facebook. Just type in the Salumas podcast on there. You guys have some of our information on social media. Reach out if you have a topic that you want to talk about or you find something interesting. Um, again, thank you all so much for listening. As always, I hope you guys found value in this episode. And I think, I'm just going to thank you one more time, Juicy. Thank you for showing up. This is really awesome. Yeah. Uh, I love you, girl. Also, yeah, I, love uh, you, girl. I believe these gentlemen are still taking donations. Yes. Um, yes, we sure are. Season, we sure are. They are, and they're invested in other people. Yes. And if there's any, any little extra bit of money that you've got to maybe donate to... Yep. What will certainly go to help people that need help, mm -hmm. please donate through the saloons. Yep, we're at like 70, 70 something dollars with minus the stupid ass fees that you know the little things take out for taking donations. So, yeah, you can always just bring me cash directly. Yeah, yeah, fees suck, but I just wanted to reduce the amount of you know roadblocks for, for that kind of stuff. So, uh, so there's obviously a fee for that, but. We're out of here. Hope you guys enjoy your weeks. As always, kick ass, and we'll see you all next week. Peace. Goodbye.